Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Oi! This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. President Biden is beginning a three-nation tour. The U.K. is his first stop where he will meet with King Charles III. President Biden will travel here to London and will meet with King Charles for the first time since his coronation. That meeting at Windsor Castle is expected to focus on climate change. The president will also meet with U.K. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak ahead of that NATO summit in Lithuania. There it will be all about Ukraine. Biden is hoping to convince allies that they need to keep providing military support to Ukraine for as long as needed. ISIS leader killed in a drone strike in Syria. U.S. officials say those same drones were harassed for about two hours by Russian aircraft on the same day, the third such incident that week. The Department of Defense says a drone strike on Friday near Aleppo, Syria, has killed known ISIS leader Usama al-Muhajid, who a Defense Department official said was riding a motorcycle at the time. Dwayne Montgomery spent nearly 30 years with the NYPD, rising to the rank of deputy inspector. He found himself in handcuffs, charged in an alleged campaign finance fraud that sought to buy influence with then-candidate for mayor Eric Adams in 2020 and 2021. In order to raise large sums of money and get around contribution limits, Montgomery and others made contributions in the names of other people, referred to as straw donors. Adams said through a spokesman he doesn't know any of them with the exception of Montgomery, who overlapped with Adams during his time in the NYPD. We did, I think, two or three rallies, I think three, big, big rallies, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And they came out, I said, you know, you're going to win. And he ended up winning. And then about three years later, they said to him, will you run against the president? And he said, I have no comment on that. I said, he has no comment. That means he's running. I said, that son of a bitch is running. I got him elected. So I don't, I'm not a big fan of this. And it's highly overrated. Hot steamy night.
So here's the visual for you. Friday night, I don't know, sometime between 9 and 9.30 p.m. at a very good Italian restaurant, Rocco's, on 116th Street in Rockaway Beach. Here's the visual. This song is playing. We've got a great DJ there, my two buddies, Vin and Vin. And me, my beautiful wife, Danielle, my daughter, Ava, her friend, Ava, who happens to be Jen Dolce and Tommy Gucciardo's daughter, my son, Gabriel, MJ and Lou Rafino are dancing as we walk out the restaurant on Friday night to this song after what was a great time, wonderful dinner. You know, all the years that me and Bernie, God rest his soul, my great partner, were friends, and we were great friends for the better part of 23 years until he tragically passed away last year. And we remained friends even when I left New York and went down to Miami. And, well, you know the whole story. We kind of vowed we'd work together again one day. Bernie wrote that in the chapter in my book, You're Wrong and You're Ugly, dating all the way back to 2010. And who could have imagined that six years later, Bernie's chapter would have come to fruition. But in all those years, we never socialized, ever. Bernie and I went out a couple of times and tore up the city back in the early 2000s. A lot of cocaine, a lot of drinking parties, and we were madmen. But we never went out with the wives. It wasn't like Sid, Danielle, Bernie, and Carol. Never happened. Never. In fact, my wife never even met Carol McGurk until Bernard died that day at the funeral. Wow. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. But on the other hand, Lou, who I've known for exactly the same amount of time as Bernard, complete opposite. Lou and I also raged alone all over New York City when we lived in Chelsea, but he's been out with me and Danielle a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And him and MJ yep. have been out with Danielle and I a bunch of times. And we did it again on Friday night. And the, the premise was kind of funny. I've got a buddy whose name is Steve Martirano, and he owns maybe the most popular restaurant in South Florida, right off Oakland Park Boulevard in Fort Lauderdale, Martirano's, legendary place. At one point, they had three or four of them, one in Atlantic City, one in Vegas, one at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida. But anyway, the one in Fort Lauderdale remains the legendary spot. And what he does is he's got these big television screens in the restaurant, And he grabs all these classic scenes from movies like Goodfellas, The Godfather, and he's got a DJ, like Rocco's has, and they play loud music. But when he gets to the part, for example, Joe Pesci and Henry Hill, that classic scene that me and Lou did once a couple of weeks ago, they actually turn down the music and you actually hear the movie. And he does this with a bunch of stuff. So it turns out Steve Moderano is in the television show Gravesend, because a lot of the scenes are filmed down in South Florida, and everybody in South Florida knows Steve Moderano. And he looks like a real tough guy, much tougher than me. So in his restaurant last week, they started playing, along with Goodfellas, Godfather, all these great movies, scenes from Gravesend. So I reached out to Vin here at Rocco's, and I said, you got to follow Moderano's suit. I'm not flying down to Fort Lauderdale this weekend, but I'll drive 20 blocks to your restaurant. You've got the TVs on. I've seen a Bronx Tale in there, Goodfellas, Godfather. Will you guys do that with Gravesend? How am I funny? And he said, sure. I'll talk to Vin. They're both named Vin. 
and uh, we'll get it done. So we walk in, literally walk into the restaurant on Friday night, and they're at the exact scene with me and Andrew Dice Clay on the tennis court, an epic scene, episode two, season two of the nine episodes on Gravesend. We walk in at that exact time because they played the whole episode. I'm only in one scene in episode two, but that's when we walked in. And the rest of the night, I kept telling Vin, rewind it, rewind it, rewind it, just to make sure that for the two hours we were there, I can watch myself on TV the whole time. <laughs> just in, it was insanity. Just com- embarrassing, <laughs> no, Lewis? <laughs> well, I'm still kind of used to this. I, I, I don't know how I am used to it, but I'm used to it. And we were sitting next to each other. Yeah. So I, my elbow was in constant a state of numbness. Okay, okay. <laughs> Watch it. Now this guy's going to throw this guy off the. Well, you had never board. seen it. You had never seen I it before. Never, no, I'd never seen it. And uh, uh, God bless your kids, man. You can't. Okay, Ava, it's coming up. Yeah, yeah. We, we saw this dad like five hundred. Yeah, times. they weren't interested at all. Gabe was really disinterested. <laughs> no, no, was... But I got a kick out of some of the people sitting around the restaurant who were while they were eating, taking a look at the screen and watching it. And then all of a sudden would hit them. Oh, my God, that guy's sitting right there. Oh, he's over there. He's hey, right there. Hey, hey. That's that guy. Look, that guy. Some knew who I was. Some didn't. But even you would admit it looked pretty good, right, Lewis? Uh, it, it looks very good, yes. It's right. very, uh, very right. cool. And uh, I was I was into it until I had no feeling left in my arms. <laughs> I went, yeah, I'm trying to. Okay, here it comes again. Let's let's rewind that scene. The whole restaurant. It was, it, it was really. I couldn't. It was baffling. I'm like, okay, is there food coming? Okay, then, great. Here comes some food. Thank and the you. food was great. We had a, a great dinner and a great time. And, again, Vin did a terrific job. And it was just fun hanging out with you and MJ, and it was a lot of fun, actually. So thank you for coming out on Friday. And it was thank you. It was a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun. I think I more like stumbled out instead of dancing. Yeah, no, no, you having a good time? Yeah, you having a good time. But that's uh, that's what Fridays are for. So that's how the weekend started. We have a lot more that I want to get to from the weekend because my weekends are basically Monday morning show. But there is some news out there too. Well, one other thing I want to get to today: Do we have a copy of today's New York Post? Because I can bring it into yeah, you have it. Scra- I grabbed the papers. I just want to see uh, my main man John Katsimatidis, who had a big show yesterday. You know, he's got the weekday show five to six every weekday afternoon on the station, Cats and Cosby. But then he's got his uh, Sunday morning show, which is the highlight of the weekend. It just is. It's called Cats Roundtable. It's eight a.m. every Sunday morning, and to John's credit. He gets better guests than Meet the Press and Face the Nation combined. So yesterday, for example, he had on the governor, Kathy Hochul. Now, I wouldn't put her on, to be completely honest and transparent. I wouldn't, but I was fascinated listening to him talk to her because it is an important interview. She is the governor. Whether she's telling the truth, lying, it doesn't matter. I tell you people out there all the time that get angry with certain guests, you need to hear from everybody. And it was interesting to hear her throw a bunch of people under the bus, including former governor and douchebag Andrew Cuomo. Threw him right under the bus. And a few others up there in Albany, too. I would imagine Stuart Cousins and Heasty and the whole operation. Again, I don't believe her, but it was interesting to hear it. So if you go to the New York Post today, page 2, Cat, blame Andy for weak bail law. John Katzmatidis getting it done in a big way. And what's funny is, and I'm going to disclose this, 
months ago when I really, really considered bringing Andrew Cuomo on this show. I really did. And it got to the point where me and Andrew had a private cell phone conversation because I was told he was not going to talk about bail reform or the nursing homes. And I said that he can't come on. It's really that simple. Yeah, but there was a shooting. He wants to talk about the shooting. Hold on a second. He's not a news analyst. Now, I'll let him talk about the shooting and anything else as long as he covers at least one, if not both, of those stories which has helped ruin New York City and New York State. And when he wouldn't say yes or no, I said, here's the deal. Have him call me and we'll talk. So we did. And we had a relatively nice conversation. At the end of it, he said, I'm coming on. And less than an hour later, he texted me back and said, well, not yet. Let me do this show with John, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not sure if Cuomo chickened out, if John convinced him not to do it. I don't know. I'm being honest. I don't know. But he didn't do it. But during the conversation, I said to him, Andrew, you got to at least tell me about bail reform and what Kathy Hochul is doing or not doing. And you know what he said to me? He said, you know, I really don't want to hammer Kathy Hochul. And I said to him, why? Like, why would you remain loyal to somebody? She's not exactly loyal to you. I, I couldn't understand why he was so worried about taking out Kathy Hochul, because he would come on the station and talk with John, at the time, Lydia, and have all the answers. Of course, when he was running the state, he was the architect of that horrible deal. But then he had all the answers, Monday morning quarterback. But he refused to take out Hochul. That's what he told me verbatim on our cell phone conversation. And what does Hochul do yesterday? She takes him out. (laughs) So good for you, Andrew. But the reason why I started the Post conversation was, if you go to page 24 in today's New York Post, my man John Katsimatidis did it again. It is a beautiful Sid and Friends in the Morning advertisement, promo if you will, big picture of me, and then you get 18 pictures of folks that come on the show. So you've got Donald Trump, John Katsimatidis, Bill O'Reilly, Peter King, Curtis Sliwa, Judge Napolitano, my mother Naomi, Monica Crowley, Elizabeth Pipko, Noam Layden, Bo Dietl, Lara Trump, Justin Ellick, Joe Tacopina, Carrie Lake, Lou Ruffino, Nancy Mace, who will join me today, and Eric Adams. Now, Eric Adams, these days, not a friend. I don't text him anymore. I don't reach out to him anymore. Quite frankly, I'm disgusted with the mayor. And I don't care if I lose a rating point. I really don't. For me, it's more about integrity and my love for this city than even ratings. And, you know, guys, I talk about ratings all the time because that's all that matters in this business. Guys talk about, well, I'm doing a great thing. No, you're not. If you're not getting ratings, you're irrelevant, bottom line. You may think you're saving the world. You're irrelevant. But I do have a certain point where I'll stop. I won't put the governor on, and I'm not going to say nice things about Eric Adams. Not now. But do you believe, Lou and Justin and Noam, that there are people who got really upset, sent me kind of nasty text messages, that they're not in the New York Post this morning? Do you believe that, Lou? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. Justin? Yeah, I believe it. Yes. Noam Layden? Yes. You're all right. And the first one came from Kimberly Guilfoyle. 
And I've been friends with Kimberly for a long time, long time, and even her boyfriend, Donald Trump Jr. But she sees in these pictures Donald Trump, who she hopes to God will be her father-in-law, Lara Trump, who she hopes to God will be her sister-in-law, and Elizabeth Pipko. Pipko is friends with all of them. And she actually sent me a text. She said, hey, this is great. Nice to be included. Okay, I was just going to ask, how would how would somebody bring this up? Yeah, just I like midnight on Saturday night, because I posted somebody. this about 9 p.m. And right. I know Dr. Mark Siegel, who was pitching last week, who joined me at 8.10 this morning, he was upset, too. And folks, I'm going to make it very simple for you. The 18 photos in the New York Post today, these are not my best friends. Some of them are. Lou is, for example. Justin is. Noam is. My mother is. But a lot of these folks, Bo Deedle is, Curtis, they're not my best friends. What they do do is appear regularly on this show, some every week, some multiple times a week, some like Lara Trump biweekly. The only person in this photo that gets a free ride is Donald Trump. He was on in May. He's still in there because he's coming back this month, and he's Donald Trump. Everybody else is on this show, if not regularly, at least sometime throughout the month. So don't take it personally. Kimberly, Siegel, the rest of you guys, if you make regular appearances on this show, you make the New York Post. Doesn't mean we're not friends. Doesn't mean I don't love you. But you got to be on the show to make the paper. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah, yes. I mean, jeez. Give me a break. So people are upset, too, with Eric Adams. I'll be honest with you. I decided after a very, very short conversation to keep Adams in. He will not be in next month. That's it. Unless I hear from Eric. And he's got to reach out to me. I'm sick of texting him, even Father's Day, and getting nothing back. I don't care. I don't need him. I'll be number one. Kind of like when uh, the Texas Rangers gave Alex Rodriguez a billion dollars, and they came in last anyway. They can come in last with him. They can come in last without him. I'll be number one with him. I'll be number one without him. And until he does a better job with this city and stops with the racist nonsense including nice old Jewish ladies, Holocaust survivors, corn them plantation owners. And it wasn't the first time until he stops doing that and apologizes for that and reaches out to me, I'm done. So this will be the last time you see Adams in this until he reaches out to me. And you know I'm being serious, Lou. I have not reached out to him. I have not been nice to him. I'm playing bits at this point about the mayor. That's well, all you need to know. Well, you can keep waiting. I doubt he's going to reach out. Really? That's that's my... Well, then uh, he's stupid. Yeah, that's my... Then point. he's stupid. Yep. Because, you know, again, when you've got the... I'm not going to tell you the most powerful guy in this city. That may be a stretch. I'm not sure. Maybe I am. Number one morning show in New York City. You know working alongside Don Imus. And I'm not comparing myself to Imus. Legend won five Marconis. I get all that. But right now, we are where Imus was 20 years ago. And I think you'd be much better off being friends with me than not, no? Uh, it's better to be loved or better to be friends. I mean, don't you think? Like? Yes, of course. Yeah. I should just say yes. Then make the T-shirt the most powerful man in New York. <laughs> right. So now we've got to start to think about the next three or four people that are in it next month. <laughs> For example. This is really nutty. <laughs> no, this is crazy. But i got to put my dear friend Corey Zelnick in there. He's on the show regularly. He talks about real estate in New York, business in New York. Pete Morgan, yes, right? I would think. He actually sits in once or twice a month. 
Sure. So Corey Zelnick and Pete Morgan in for sure. Uh, about uh, Joseph Adams Abood. is out. Joseph Abood. And Abood. We got to do it. Yeah. And these are friends of mine for 20-something years. Forget it. All right. So if I put in Abood, Morgan, <laughs> and Zelnick, Adams is gone. I need to oust two more. Okay. Who gets out? I'll I'll sacrifice for one. No, of no, them. no, no. I got to keep <laughs> you in there. Okay. <laughs> this is like a game. No, of I know risk. it's not easy. <laughs> okay. I don't know. We'll I, figure it out. I'd have to look at <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. But we need a we need a big screen with everybody's pictures up there so we can just start. Oh, it's like X's. it's like the NFL draft. Yeah. We'll have like a war room. Me, you, Noam, and Justin. Yeah. And we'll figure out who goes. Right. The yeah. eighteen names and who doesn't. Sure. We It'll be a just, lot of fun. We could just make uh, predictions and uh, base them on nothing. <laughs> uh, what's fun about it being the same every month? You want to switch it up. No, we want to switch it up. Right. But you got to keep, like, Trump, Katsimatidis, Bo, King, yeah. Sliwa. They stay there. They yeah. stay there. Of course. But the other ones, we've got to switch it up. And Zelnick, Morgan, and Abu, you're right, Lewis. Those are three have tos. Yeah, you got to go in at some point. You know, my wife said yesterday, "What about me? You sleep with me every night." I go, "You're never on the show." (laughs) She's like, "So what? So what? What's more important?" I'm like, "You got a point there, Danielle." (laughs) I got to think about her too now. Just put her right above everybody. I'll I'll definitely sacrifice her now. Oh, you know, you'd be making the right moves. So anyway, I kind of like that I'm on the in because I'm usually on the out. So yeah, just I like the fact that people are bothering you to be in when I'm in right. and they're out. Right. There's nothing better than that. I gotta oh, be honest with you. Isn't it a great feeling? All yeah. kidding aside, like yeah. you feel like a million bucks. I do. Home. Yeah, <laughs> I do. So uh, ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a huge guest list coming up today. We're going to talk again to Janelle Butler. It's been a while since she's been here, but there's a Grammy award-winning rap artist that wrote a song that finally talks about the real issue. Which is black on black crime, not not black and uh, not cops out there trying to kill black people. That fable, that lie, which is not true, not even close. So we'll talk to Janaya coming, and that's going to be a very interesting conversation. Here for his uh, everyday weekday segment at seven oh five, Curtis Sliwa. We'll talk to the host of the other side of Midnight, Frank Morano. Get RFK Jr. on last night. Very very good interview. He'll join us at seven forty. The aforementioned Dr. Mark Siegel coming up at 8.10. We will talk to Mr. Rockland County, Congressman Mike Lawler. Big election coming up, primary. He'll be here at 8.40. And, yes, the pride of South Carolina, Congresswoman Nancy Mace. She'll be here at 9.10. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Monday morning. Sitting friends in the morning. Off to a great start. Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
great song, Rain King. Adam Duritz, Counting Crows, tremendous album, August and Everything After. Talking about the Rain King, our president of the United States, Doucheface Joe Biden. He is actually at Windsor Castle this morning in the U.K. visiting with the king. That's right. He's going to sing, uh, go see, I should say, King Charles since uh, Charles was pronounced king, the coronation, and also meet with the prime minister. Is his name Sunad, I think, Rishi Sunad. Either way, uh, Biden is in the U.K. today, so that's a nice little choice there, Rain King by you, Lewis. And then he's going to talk about this whole Ukraine thing. I know that uh, the uh, the legislators are having a difficult time agreeing on whether or not we should be providing the Ukrainians with these cluster bombs, which Biden wants to do. They're very, very strong. We'll talk to Frank Morano about the whole Ukraine-Russia conflict coming up at 740. But Donald Trump, my guy, was at it again in Las Vegas this weekend. He was there, Justin Ellick, with the number one overall choice in the NBA draft, now a San Antonio Spurs. By the way, did you see the amount of money the Spurs gave their head coach, Greg Popovich, on Friday? I don't remember the number. It was like five years and big money. Huge, hundreds of millions. For this, he's like old. This piece of gar- – he's a great coach. Okay, how old he is? He's a great coach. Yeah, no, I, know. I know. But he is an America-hating <laughs> son of a bitch, to quote Donald Trump. A gross, disgusting, anti-American jerk-off. Plus That's he, the Spurs head coach. Plus he thinks he invented basketball, right. too. No, he is the best – listen, he's the best coach in the NBA. Yeah, okay. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Right. So. He is, he, he is a coaches. great coach. Right. And he's got the kid, Victor Ramazwamy. The kid who went number one overall, who had a horrible Victor game. Victor Ramaswamy, is that what you How said? How do you say his name? <laughs> Ramaswamy. Oh, no, that's Vivek Ramaswamy. That's right. Well, you're right. I, I confused him with Vivek, the guy running for president. That'll wake you up on a Monday Wabinyama, Wabinyama. Yeah, there you, go. there you go. Very close. So the kid shot 2 of 13 on Saturday, but yesterday came back with a 27.12 rebound performance. But that wasn't the big news. So the kid's first game on Saturday in Vegas, number one overall, was like a big deal. And everybody turned out to see him, including somebody who lives in Vegas. I'm not sure if she still has a residence there. I think she still does. And that is the huge pop star, Britney Spears. And Britney walked up to Webinyama and, like, touched him on the shoulder. And Webinyama's security people grabbed her or pushed her. And they actually accidentally had her hit herself in the face with her own hand, removing her hand from the kid's shoulder, she filed a report. It was like a big deal all over Victor Webinyama, Britney Spears in Las Vegas. And the same night all this was going on, all this madness, Donald Trump spoke in Las Vegas, and he was amazing once again. Starts right here by calling DeSantis overrated and something else. Donald Trump on fire in Las Vegas, Lewis, cut number one. We did, I think, two or three rallies, I think three, big, big rallies, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And they came out. I said, you know, you're going to win. And he ended up winning. And then about three years later, they said to him, will you run against the president? And he said, I have no comment on that. I said, he has no comment. That means he's running. I said, that son of a bitch is running. I got him elected. So I don't, I'm not a big fan of his, and he's highly overrated. He's highly overrated. Remember, he's the one that wanted to cut 
Social Security. He's the one that wanted to raise the minimum age, and he voted on this. This isn't just... And the one thing you have to remember, when a politician comes out with an initial plan, and then they go into a corner because they're getting killed, because he's getting killed, he's like, he's, his thing is going... Well, he also has no personality. That helps, right? As a politician, you have to have personality. You saw where he wants to change his name. It's DeSantis. He wants to call it DeSantis, but you don't do it in the middle of a campaign. So, Ron DeSantis, I got more Trump for you, but DeSantis kind of fired back at Trump this weekend. Now, what's interesting about this is initially it sounds like my friend Maria Bartiromo is yelling at DeSantis. She's like yelling at him. It's on Fox News, and then she gives Ron an opportunity to come back and hammer Trump, which he does, talking about big tech censorship. So this is Ron DeSantis Lewis, cut number seven, getting back at Trump, courtesy of Maria and Fox Business. Cut number seven. I think one of the reasons that Donald Trump is in the lead is because of the corruption and the unfairness of our justice system. I want to know what you're going to do. What are you going to do about the fact that the FBI worked with Twitter to censor information, amplify lies, and suppress truth? What are you going to do about this influence peddling that we see is in plain sight that the Biden family has been doing allegedly for now more than a decade? What can you do about it to straighten things out? Given the fact that the Americans <laughs> are sick them. and tired of you the they see in plain sight. We will end the weaponization of government. And that's, of course, a new FBI director on day one. That's a difference between me and Donald Trump. He says the jury's still out on FBI Director Ray. I think you need a new start on day one. Uh, we're going to clean house uh, at the Department of Justice. And, you know, I look back at, like, the Hunter Biden censorship, which was a huge, huge deal to happen in the 2020 election. Uh, and yet, you know, those were Donald Trump's own agencies that were colluding with big tech. I would never allow that to happen. I would fire those people uh, immediately. And in fact, in Florida, we've signed legislation that prohibits all state and local government officials in our state uh, from colluding with tech companies to try to censor the political speech. All right, just ahead of Janaya Butler, Curtis Sliwa, and, of course, our first look at traffic on a Monday morning with Joe Nolan. It's time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to the Cats Roundtable. My man, John Katz-Matidis, it's a great show. It really is. Common sense prevails. Always telling both sides of the story. And here's a perfect example of that. Uh, every Sunday at 8, listen, anytime on the app, he talked here with Governor Kathy Hochul. This is cut number two. And I'm watching New York 1 out of the corner of my left eye right now, and Pat Kiernan is talking to some doofus. I don't know who it is. And it reads, Hochul still great friends with New Jersey governor. Anybody friends with Phil Murphy is no good to begin with. Hochul still great friends with New Jersey governor despite congestion pricing disagreement. Here, John talks with Governor Kathy Hochul just yesterday on the Cats Roundtable. With us today is Governor Kathy Hochul. Billions and billions of money being spent by the MTA to extend the subway. Uh, what's going on in this? Yes, it is all about the job creation. I remember growing up in western New York at a time when we couldn't yes. find jobs anywhere. My, they were not good-paying jobs. Today, it's a different dynamic. I'm impatient, and I'm working closely with the Biden administration and Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to bring the money Yuck. to New York to do these major investments, like, like the Second Avenue subway. It's going to help tens of thousands of riders in a place where people don't have cars. 
This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Alec here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. A couple of losses to get to from our local ball clubs yesterday with the Yankees losing 7-4 in their finale at home against the Chicago Cubs to surrender the weekend series. While the Mets lost 2-3 of three over the weekend as well to the Padres in San Diego, complete with their 6-2 loss in the finale yesterday. The Yanks head into the All-Star break here at 49-42 and 42 overall and eight games back of first place in the AL East and one game back of the final American League wildcard spot. Also of note, after stumbling into the break, hitting coach Dylan Lawson was fired by the team following yesterday's loss. No replacement was announced. General Manager Brian Cashman said he will hire a successor from outside the organization before the Yankees begin the second half Friday in Colorado against the Rockies. As for the Mets, they head into their all-star break at 42-48 and 48 overall and 18 and a half games back in the NL East while they sit seven games back of the final National League wildcard spot. The first day of the 2023 MLB draft is over with the Pittsburgh Pirates selecting LSU star Paul Skeens with the number one overall pick. The Washington Nationals followed by drafting Skeens' teammate Dylan Cruz with the number two pick, making them the first pair of teammates to go 1-2 in the MLB draft history. Locally at number 26 overall, the Yankees selected George Lombard Jr., a shortstop at a Gulliver Prep High in Florida. And at number 32 overall, the Mets went with a shortstop as well, and Colin Houck from Parkview High uh, in Georgia. Here was sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. The police want to know who shot Jamal. And the family want to know who shot Jamal. The streets want to you know. know I love Bob Cornett, Shelly. I like him more than Andrew Garbarino. He ran, he launched to him. So can they stop saying the great one when referring to Levin? I keep thinking you're coming on when they say the great one. That's very nice. But the great one, of course, is Wayne Gretzky. Then some guy named Anthony Sindaco chimes in, Instagram, result Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. He goes, how can you say that Popovich is a great coach? He only won with Duncan and Robinson. And when guys say that, they sound so stupid. Was Red Auerbach not a great coach because he had 13 Hall of Famers? He never won any place else. The only coach the Celtics. He had Russell, Havlicek. Was he not a great coach? I mean, Phil Jackson was a great coach with the Bulls and the Lakers. Then he came to the Knicks, had no players. Still a great coach. Pat Riley, same thing. The idea that you're only a, you can't be a great coach if you're a great player. No one wins in the NBA without great players. Nobody. Nobody. So stop with that nonsense. Anyway, that song you just heard is a terrific song, and the name of it is Who Shot Jamal? And Grammy Award-winning rapper, songwriter, and producer Consequence, along with uh, a Jewish guy. Zach Waterman actually wrote the song. Don't tell me blacks and Jews don't get along. Uh, he wrote it. He uh, and his 11 year old son, who's adorable, his name is Holden the Crown Holder. Kate in the Crown Holder. Kate in the Crown Holder. How do you say it? Kate in the Crown Holder. Well, how come it's spelled? Oh, it is. You're right. Excuse me. C A I D E N. Kate in the Crown. He uh, he's in the song as well. And the person introducing me to both of these fine gentlemen is Naya Butler, who of course is a longtime friend of mine and this program. So before we get to the actual song, Janae, how are you? I'm wonderful. It's great yeah. to see you. you. Absolutely. You I missed you. I missed you, too. But I follow you on Instagram. Yes, sir. And uh, I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, I, of course, uh, my, my wife is still upset 
that he did not have Tupac Shakur in the top five. No, no. Let alone number one. She still brings <laughs> up, she goes, I love that lady, I love her, but how the hell was Tupac not in the top five? <laughs> it's interchangeable, because we got to give him some, some strategies here, and some right. understanding. So right. you, you do a really good job of combining hip-hop with everyday issues. And you've done a great job in your community Absolutely. making sure that people uh, don't stray, don't go the wrong way. And you and I have had some heated conversations before, sure, sure. and that's all great. You and I are great, great friends. Uh, tell me about Caden uh, and his father here, this song, what they want to do, and if, in fact, I can help. Well, I mean, you can, you always can help because, first of all, this is like brokering a conversation with, with this audience right here you know your great audience and really just opening up the conversation about it consequence is a grammy award winning artist he's worked with kanye west he's worked with many artists across the board he's a legend at this point and so now bringing this conversation with he him and his son about the violence going on in our communities around the country we've talked about this before like the black on black violence and not just like police shootings and things of that nature so they brought this in song and so i I've always said that hip hop can be used and the power of hip hop can be used and they did it. And so I thought that bringing it to you would be the the number one place that we should start because we need to have the conversation. We need to have the conversation about blacks just not being um, Democrats. We need to have the conversation about what's going on in the black community and how we get better and fix that. And they're doing that. Well, that's true. And there are, unfortunately, black Republicans, Kim Scott and others that do talk about it. Black Democrats make a lot of excuses. That's a fact. And the truth is, is that about 10 black people are shot by cops every year. Thousands of black people are murdered by black people every year. Every weekend in Chicago, it's a bloodbath. It ain't white supremacists. It ain't white Jewish guys. It's black-on-black crime. And for some reason, the media and the Democrats don't want to talk about it. It's much easier to blame white people. So for that, let me start with you right now, Consequence. I give you a lot of credit. What made you sit down and write this? You see how angry I am. Are you as angry? You just thought this was a good way to a good, um, good way to make a hit. Um, like I was explaining to Janae, I think um, a lot of times when we deal with this subject, we deal with it from a reactionary standpoint with my community. And I think what made me want to have the conversation was to do it on an off-peak time when there's no. There's, it's just flat, right? Right. And so we can no, just no, have no, the, no big crime. Like there's no George big crime, Floyd right? There's no, it's yeah. not a George Floyd moment. It's just what we've endured as a community, right? And the thing is, the conversation I wanted to have with my son was a real one, and I wanted, you know, obviously one of the best ways for me to communicate is through song. And um, so when we did the record, the approach of the record is what a black male has to endure by just walking outside, right? And so um, statistics to the side, this has been our journey in America, right? And I like to start with origin. We, The way we got here, we have to always look at how we got here and they're able to progress, right? Um, we're now to the point where you can have black Republicans and black Democrats, or you can you don't have to have a party alliance. You can see what's best for you and your community. And so with us, we wanted to address the whole thing. Are there instances where black males have been in danger when it comes to the police? There are instances of that. Are there instances where black males need the police to help solve a crime in the judicial system to get justice? Absolutely. That's how America works. 
right? Are there instances where there's black on black crime? Of course, we we know that. Um, mm-hmm. What's the origin? What's the reason for that? How did that start? Why are we here? What are the five W's? How did we get here? Right? Before we do the math, we have to we have to do the literature. Right? You learn how to write your name before you learn how to count. Sure. sure. Right? So we got we know what the body count is, but how did we get here? No, that, that's right? fine. And, and, that, and that's why we made the record because we want to have the conversation of how did we get here. How do we move on from this? What can we do uh, individually, as a society, uh, as a country, right? This is America, right? There's no reason for uh, the amount of logical people in America where there's a bloodbath anywhere. That doesn't make any uh, sense, right? But my fear is is that to kids like Kate, and I'm going to talk to you in a second, what an adorable Kate. It reminds you like Will Smith and his kid, or me and my kid, <laughs> um, is I don't want people like Caden walking around this city, this state, and this country acting as if he was hunted because it's just not true. There is no statistical data to back that up. Now, I understand I'm not an idiot and I'm not naive. And I do understand, for example, I've got a nephew his age. He's like 13, 14, lives in Georgia. He gets stopped by the cops all the time. The kid's a quarterback of the football team. He's an A student. He's done nothing wrong. But he's a black kid in a black community. There was a crime down the block. He could stop all the time. That's very unfortunate. And I hate that that happens. But the truth is, there was a crime in a black community committed by a black kid who looks like him. And I don't want you, Caden, for example, to think you live in this horrible country where black people are, are, are hunted and, and shot down for no reason. Mm-hmm. Does it happen occasionally? 100%. More whites are killed than blacks by cops every year. Now, a larger number than you saying that. But more whites are killed than blacks by cops every year. It's not even close. Well, that's, big, that's bigger that, in numbers. That's due to population. Right, of right? course. Of course. Yeah. But, but understand what you're doing is very important. But at the same time, you live in the greatest country in the world. You do realize that, right? Yeah. You do. So what was it like going to work with your dad and doing this song together? Really fun and exciting. It's, a, like, it's like a way for us like, to bond. It is a great way to bond. It's a great way to bond. So are, are you going to do this when you get older, be a rap star like your dad? Yeah. You're definitely going to do definitely. this. Definitely. And you're so cute. You could be an actor, too. <laughs> what a great-looking kid. What is? Uh, what is? What, what do you want? If your friends listen to this song, little kids, 11 years old, mm-hmm. what do you want them to, to get from this song? The message. The message. What is the message? The message is that, like, what, we have, what, like, people, what African-Americans have to deal with every day. Do you feel like it's unsafe for you? Do you feel like no? You don't. No. Okay, you're a happy-go-lucky kid. Yeah. You like the Knicks? Say it again. You like the Knicks? You're not uh, a big sports fan. No, I am. You I are. like the Knicks. And what's Knicks. your favorite sports team? My favorite sports team is probably like um, Lakers. You like the Lakers? Lakers. Yeah. You like LeBron James? That's yeah. why. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Kobe. Rest in peace. Yeah, I hate it. So this is great that they've done this. Uh, beautiful uh, two guys here, by the way. And this is exactly what we need. We need more of this, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, what do you what do you want to do with this? Is your plan to get this to politicians so they can adopt it, make it part of a city plan? Absolutely. I think that Mayor Adams right now needs help. You know what's going on in the city, and I think this um, this song really starts the conversation. You know, music uh, over the years, over time, has just you know transcended so many things. And like I said. You know, we always look at hip hop songs and we kind of hear songs that sometimes don't, you know, go along with um, everything that we need to be hearing. Yeah, but like this Snoop is. Snoop Dogg? <laughs> yeah. Go shoot a cop today? Give me a break. Yeah, I'm sorry. Don't talk about Snoop. But, 
But yeah, so I think this starts the conversation. So we want to sit down with Mayor Adams. We've I've called um Hakeem Jeffries. Yeah, um yeah. I've called um uh, Congresswoman. Hakeem, by the way, is a huge Biggie Smalls fan. Yeah. <laughs> he actually sang the lyrics to hypnotize. He says in that Congress he's the hip hop congressperson. Yeah, 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 he's the hip hop yeah. congressperson. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh you're welcome, Hakeem. Yeah. But um also, um, Congresswoman Nicole Malatakis. So just bringing everybody together for the conversation across the community and getting, you know, getting this, you know, this message out. And I think that this song can go across the country, so um, could be number one platinum hit. So do I. But, but really stop a lot of the violence in the community because the young people, you know, they sometimes they don't have the direction. They don't have somebody that's saying, let's let's stop and say, like, and right now it's a big thing about snitches in the community, right? What do you mean you, by what consequence? Tell me about that. Um, well, snitching, I mean, you know, what we do in hip hop is we take things and we, we, uh, we manipulate them to, to where they, to where they, to, to where people can understand them in, in a, in a eye level conversation. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but you know, for those of my age group that grew up in how old are you? I'm curious. I'm in my forties, so I grew up oh, in the eighties. You look and, great. Thank you. And um, the snitching um, paraphrasing has taken on different contexts. Yeah. Uh, obviously, when I grew up, there was a difference between guys in the streets and civilians. Civilians have the right to the police. Guys in the street, yeah. understand what they get themselves into. Right. right. I got it. So so now it's just, you know, it's become a cultural thing and a cultural term. And, and well, um, I mean, the, the snitch in your community is like a rat in the Italian community. And <laughs> the mob. Same thing. Right, right, right. right. But, but right. the mob took the oath to be in the mob. Right. right. So the street guys took went to the street with the understanding of the dangers that they're going to mm-hmm. get themselves into sure. versus like, um, let's say, like a Trayvon Martin. He, he, uh, he didn't, you know, when he was. When that happened with George Zimmerman, that wasn't a street situation. No. That was a civilian going yeah. to the store. Yeah. Right. But there's a significant difference that needs to be understood with the terminology of snitching and street you. guy and yep. et cetera, et cetera, I got et cetera. You. Yep. And he was an innocent uh, guy, Trayvon Martin, not Michael Brown. Don't give me him. Don't give me Freddie Gray. Don't give me others. But Trayvon Martin, I'll give you. Uh, so, Caden, have you started to write your own music yet? Yes. You have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been doing a couple of songs, yeah. You've written a couple of songs? Yeah. He's he's being modest. He actually has a record called FVC that has uh, over a million hits on YouTube. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And how old were you when you wrote that? Like nine? You did that this year. Yeah, I did that this year. Oh, my God. Look at you. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I want you to be a big, big, big star. And I'm going to do everything I can to make that happen, okay? Say I'm going to try to help you. I'm going to help make you a very, very big star. Thank you. Anytime you write a song and the song gets produced by your father or anybody else, you give it to me, I'm going to play it here. Right. All right, so my next move is, I'm not talking to Adams these days. We're having some <laughs> uh, technical difficulties. <laughs> but um, I do talk to Fabian Levy, <laughs> who works at uh, City Hall, <laughs> and he talks to Eric Adams about 30 times a day. <laughs> and you have my word, consequence, Caden and Janaya, that I will get this song to Fabian Levy in City Hall. And if Fabian gets it, there's a very good chance, if not a 100%, uh, Mayor Adams will, will get it too. Sure, Today. sure. Yeah, no, um, you know, Mayor Adams is a big hip hop fan, you yes, know, he is. you know, so it's just the point of him hearing the song and again, you know, creating the programming across the city because yeah. like I said, right now in the city, you know, violence is up, you know, a lot of things are going on in the city and we've got to stand behind the mayor and really, you know, help him. And I think this does it. 
And I take it there. You know, I have a um a friend who lost her son, DeRay Johnson. And, you know, he he got shot. He's from Brooklyn, but he got shot in Georgia. And, you know, it's it said the song says exactly that. Who's it's just switch the name out. Who yeah. shot? Yeah. DeRay yeah. and there the everybody doesn't want nobody's talking and things of that nature and so we all lose something as a result and you a, know? And, and, and another thing that the song actually addresses is the grieving process mm-hmm. um cuz no matter who loses their life a life is lost right mm-hmm. it doesn't matter the circumstances of which the death came about that's a, a child losing a parent sure. that's a parent losing, losing their, their child, child. Yep. et cetera et cetera et cetera and um the ramifications of that um, change the generational course, right? And so we never want to downplay death in any way, shape, or form. You know what I mean? And that was another th- reason why we wanted to actually make this song. And um, to, to Janae's uh, alley oop from yesterday, we we are actually starting a fundraiser, a Who Shot Jamal fundraiser, yeah. where we can uh, move around the whole country. Uh, so we have a GoFundMe. Uh, it's the Who Shot Jamal fundraiser. If you want to donate to help the cause, we did all of this independent. There's no record company. It's my independent label, One Out Two Records. And, um, you know, we, we welcome any, nothing's too small, nothing's too large. So it's Who, it's, uh, who Shot Jamal, that's the page? Uh, yeah, it's the Who Shot Jamal fundraiser on GoFundMe. All right, Who Shot Jamal fundraiser and the link on is in, GoFundMe. The link is in both of our um, Instagram pages. Uh, his is Kaden817. C-A-I-D-E-N-817. And my label is one at one on two records. All right, there you have it, folks. Consequence, Caden, the crown holder, and my friend Janaya Butler. This is Who Shot Jamal. Let's go. Let's do it, baby. <laughs> this is a very, very important subject, a very important topic. It's a great song, something we need to fix in the United States. Who Shot Jamal as we close out our number one. Jamal, last time I saw him, he was by the bodega. Pushing, pushing, keeping the player. But after this, please say a little prayer. Is there any information you can share? The last time I saw him, he was in the park hooping, working on his dribble and three-point shooting. That day he even had a triple-double, so it's weird, because I know he wasn't looking for no trouble. Yeah, it's enough to try to make it out. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Sent me a text that Gil left out. He's not one of the 18 pictures. He has been, by the way, month after month after month. Page 24 in today's New York Post. But I have to make um, changes every month because everybody complains. The last couple of days, Kimberly Gilfoyle, Dr. Mark Siegel, now Rudy Giuliani. But uh, Curtis, and uh, we don't do this in row order, just so you know. They just ask me upstairs, give me the names. I don't go, make sure he's row one, picture number two. I have nothing to do with that. It just so happens the first row of pictures is Donald Trump, John Katsimatidis, Bill O'Reilly, Mayor Eric Adams, Peter King, and Curtis Sliwa. 
But Sliwa, instead of being happy, A, he's even in it, and B, he's in the front row, he doesn't like the fact that he's sixth behind King and Adams. Yeah. So now you want to beg out of this. Yeah, yeah. Put Rudy in there. <laughs> Put him right next to Eric Adams, who called him a racist, right? Yes, Do he this. did. Yes. And uh, to Peter King, he finally got off of the Eric Adams crazy train the other day. Yes, he did. Uh, too bad he wasn't in the front pew of Reverend A.R. Bernard's megachurch in Canarsie yesterday. 5,000 people there listening to Eric Adams uh, talk about how he was sent by God. No. Reverend A.R. Bernard no. giving him tactical air support, saying, yes, he was sent by oh, God. God. And then Eric Adams saying, 35 years ago, I set my GPS, my God-positioning system, on taking over the city oh, and saving it. This guy is lost. <laughs> I'm going to send you all the cuts. Good. Let me have A.R. Bernard saying, oh, yes, he was well, sent by me, God. I'm of good luck. A.R. Bernard's a lovely man. He is, and he's, uh, he's, a, he's a preacher and all those wonderful things. He's but, a Turkish kisser, like well, Rabbi well, John Pitash, that, but, 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 And he's also a black guy first. And, and, I mean, I hate to keep bringing up race, but I'm the only guy that does it because right, I'm but, the only but, honest but, guy but, in this let's city. Let's get right into it. What well, about, let, me, well, let, me, let me get to Adams yeah, for a yeah, second, yeah, though, yeah. because above and beyond the fact that he was doing the God stuff again, I want you all to read a column in today's New York Post. It's very, very serious. It really is. And it goes to show you what Adams has done with this police department. For folks who are like, hey, you know what? Adams is the former cop. He's going to make it good again. Ba, ba, ba. NYPD exodus continues as cops feel squeezed from every direction. And the new guy, I like this guy a lot, Patrick Hendry. He replaced uh, Pat Lynch. He's now in charge of the NYPD Development Association. And he says that we're about 2,000 cops short after Sewell stepped down, like another six or 700 quit, just voluntarily quit. Yep. No major reason. So Adams can't even hold on to a, to a, to a right-sized police department. Well, and other agencies are coming in and recruiting these cops away. I've told the story that a lot of the cops uh, in uniform went to take the sergeant's test at Jacob Javits Convention Center, about a good 5,000. Uh, some of them will become sergeants, some of them won't. Uh, but everybody was outside like vultures and buzzards from police departments all over the country. They had the tables out, the recruitment stands. We'll give you bonuses. We'll pay for your moving. We'll pay for your house for the first year. And you'll have excellent opportunities at getting promotional uh abilities because you come from New York City. So if you have two years of experience busting your shoes, we want you. So they're recruiting them away. And I'm telling you straight up, Sid, there's a way to get more cops. Nobody's listening to me. Simply, you have Columbia University with a $10 billion endowment fund, NYU a $4 billion endowment fund. They keep buying up property, which then gets taken off the tax rolls because they're nonprofits. Ex- put a special tax on them specifically to hire, to vet, to train, and graduate police officers and get us up to 40,000 cops that Rudy Giuliani was given uh, so he could take back the city. We're down to 32,500. It's not 34,000. It's 32,500. We're at critical mass. Look at the latest headlines. All these uh, shelters for the illegal aliens, now they're claiming you can't put in just a private uh, security officer with no gun. You have to have gun-toting private security officers. Why? 
because of all the gangbangers from MS-13, from 18th Street, all the bad hombres, as former President Donald Trump described when he went out with Peter King and then the Attorney General to battle MS-13 and did a great job in Suffolk County and Nassau County. I give a heads up to uh, Peter King for that because I joined hey, him in that battle. How about that? Oh, Peter King will tell you. I had guardian angels out there thumping a- MS-13. Trump was calling them bad hombres. And who was calling ICE thugs at that time? Andrew Evil Ice Cuomo calling law enforcement that was battling MS-13 thugs. That tells you all you need to know about this state. Well, I was so happy when uh, I had that one phone conversation with Andrew Cuomo. And he's like, I don't really want to throw Hochul under the bus about bail reform. And she threw him right under the bus with John Katsimatidis yesterday, Andrew. So you were trying to play nice. She clearly doesn't care. Why don't you come back now with uh, the movie, the basketball's in your court, former Governor Cuomo. Let me tell you something. I was listening intently to that interview where uh, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb uh, was sounding like Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> She's walking. She says she walks around the city all the time. She sees it so congested with buses. Yeah. The buses that are bringing in the illegal aliens from the Port Authority across down to the Hotel Roosevelt. She goes, we, uh, we, we have to have congestion pricing so that emergency vehicles can get through if you have a heart attack. Idiot. That's what they do in the bike lanes. They use that as an emergency service lane. This woman knows nothing. And then she had the unbelievable chutzpah to say that you're safer in New York City from crime than in Salt Lake City. I didn't know that the Mormon Tabernacle Choir has become a gang and that Donnie and Marie Osmond have become gang leaders. Is this woman on some kind of drug? Uh, Listen, uh, she did say that. She also included Miami and Eric Adams. The mayor included Miami too. I don't know if that's a if that's a true. It's not figure. true. It's not I, true. I, I have guardian angels in there's Miami. No way. It's I mean, not I, true. I lived in South Florida for 16 years between Boca Raton, Fort Lauderdale, and Miami. I never felt unsafe not once walking around the city. And I'm a tough guy. I feel unsafe just about every day. So it's not just Hochul. It's Adams, well, too. Let me, give me an update. To you. let me give you an update. I, I deal with these zombie drug users all the time now that are using Trank. Uh, and it's creating sores all over their body. It's a flesh-eating virus like Ebola. You see them everywhere. And I go up, I touch them, and people get all grossed out. You know how I am. Yeah. So now the city, through Eric Adams, is saying, come to our overdose prevention centers, our safe injection sites. There are two of them, one in Washington Heights, one in Harlem. And we will inject the trank into your veins. Stop it. Yes. Stop it. In today's New York Post, check it out. I got this conversation with my friend Bobby Hartman a couple of weeks ago. You folks may remember he runs Mainstream House all the way out for Fapanabinko, two hours. It's a Riverhead, Long Island. And I spoke to over 100 of my brothers and sisters in recovery, and we said the same thing. If you make it easier for an addict to get drugs, to do drugs, whether it's crack pipes and vending machines or city employees, like you just said, shooting you up, the addict, nine times out of ten, is going to continue to use. And the whole game here is not a game, but the whole theory should be let's stop these people from using. You don't get addicts to stop using by making it easier for them to use, you and, dumb bastards. And by the way, they're not running Ponzi schemes on Wall Street to afford their habit. They're right. going into the neighborhood where the safe injection sites are, and they're stealing everything they can get their hands on. What do you think all this looting is going on, this boosting? People going in and out of Dwayne Reed, uh, Right Aid, Walgreens, CVS. 
They're mostly junkies, dope fiends. And now we're going to be giving, allowing them to safely inject trank. Now, we're going to blame this on the red Chinese. You know, that's how we like, oh, the red Chinese fentanyl. Yeah, yeah. You use drugs. You know America creates the problem. We are the number one users of drugs in the world. We have an insatiable appetite to get high. We got to kick ourselves in our own asses and stop blaming Mexico and Red China. Who are we going to blame for Trank? It's a horse tranquilizer. We're going to shut down all the horse tracks? Oh, my God. They're stealing Trank at the horse tracks. We need to stop this, and we can't be enabling them by giving them a zombie drug under supervision? Jeez. Is this not the craziest thing you ever had? Uh, and are they asking Eric Adams this today at a press conference in Hall? Probably not. Probably not. You know, because he's refusing to take questions. Out. Uh, I'm not, and, and the number one issue, uh, School's Out Forever, you heard that by Alice Cooper, right? Wait, which one is it now? School's Out Forever, you heard oh, that I, by I Alice Cooper song. coming in. I love in. that song. I believe you're going to talk about something that I talked about to uh, Vito Fosella. The Staten Island Borough president was on this show on Friday, and they're talking about using schools now as migrant centers, and he told me there was one specifically in his borough, New Dorp. You're about to tell me, Curtis, that's only one of three. That's only one of three, and there are more. I'll release more tomorrow. New Dorp High School. You know who went to New Dorp High School? Uh, give me a hint. Don't tell me. Uh, Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis. That's more than a hint you just gave it to Exactly, me. <laughs> because we got to get through the rest of these schools. There's okay. so many of them, right? So i got to expect Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis to stand on the front steps, because she do this, and say, hell no, no illegal aliens in New Dorp High School. Number two, Mark Twain Junior High School, That's a Coney great Island. school. I know. If you hadn't been a booker boy going to, uh, where was that? Uh, Solomon Schechter. Solomon Schechter. Thank God your parents sent you there and got you out of that polyprep day school. Oh, my God. Which was the training ground for for the mob, you know, mob lawyers. Your friends, Arthur Idala and Joe Takapina. That's how they became lawyers. They, you, they you were sent to war. Even my friend Gary Han is a lawyer. Yes. Now, he's not a tiny and he's Lebanese, but Gary's father, Al Hanna, was one of the owners of your favorite nightclub in Brooklyn ever, Pastel. That's right, Pastel. Oh, you brought me back in time. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. that brings us to the third school, and this is personal. Oh, well, Mark Twain, I believe, at one point also served my wife, who was another great attorney, the beautiful Danielle. She went to Morrow High School. Yes. And I think Mark Twain used to actually kind the of siphon system. It, right? Exactly yeah, because right. it's considered yes. a specialty uh, junior high school, you know, SP and all that. Now... The last one, this is personal for me. Russell Sage Jr. High School in Forest Hills. Now, why is that personal to you? Because my youngest son, Hunter, goes there. No way. All three of my sons have gone to public schools. But Russell Sage Jr. High School, clear out the gym, clear out the cafeteria, and there'll be food fights because the illegal aliens <laughs> will say, we don't want the bagel with the schmear. We want con arroz, habichuelas, beans and rice with a pork chop on top. And Eric Adams will say, sure, order it through Grubhub. I'm not paying for it. The sucker taxpayers are paying for it. This is nuts. Ari Kagan <laughs> stood up to him. Remember the first time the guy who won the Republican primary is going to take on Justin Brandon. Where's Justin Brandon on on the Mark Twain Junior High School in Coney Island, he's quiet. There's Ari Kagan fighting this. And by the way, speaking of Justin Brennan, that Ultraditor who's trying to eat your mind, you know that his main person in his Democratic club just got a job at City Hall, Ember Olam. Oh, this is a bad story. Here's a text I received that 
twelve sixteen Saturday afternoon from the aforementioned Justin Brannan. It's a picture of me and William DeMeo, and he writes, I once had a plate of galama at this jurnt that was so fresh, and he wrote, have a oh, great weekend. see how he's trying to eat your mind? He's trying to suck up to me. It, it, you but, wanna, listen to what this woman was texting out, and she got a yes. job at City Hall because they yeah. all hate cops. She's a yeah. Saudi city council member. That's right. Yeah. I'm glad the NYPD vans were torched. I hope there are more. Return right. your cop dollars. Def- defund- he defunded the police by a billion dollars, yes, Justin Brown. Yes, he did. He was in favor of no cash bail. He wants to get rid of more cops. Don't let him eat your mind out. He knows how to stroke you like a peacock. <laughs> he wants you to forget how he has destroyed Bay Ridge and Diker Heights and Bensonhurst. Don't get sucked into that vortex. He's going to play you like a fiddle, but I'm going to stand up to Justin Brennan because I'm going to be out there with Harry Kagan, who every day prevented those illegal aliens from being put into that gymnasium. Remember the first one that Eric Adams tried to do it. Is this not the definition of insanity? You're trying to do the same failed thing over and over. Eric Adams, leave our kids alone. (laughs) Keep your illegal aliens in your Gracie Mansion or in your 4-4 townhouse on Lafayette Avenue in Bed-Stuy. Lead by example. Bring the illegal aliens into your house, into Gracie Mansion, and keep them away from our kids in our schools. Grateful Dead for you. Shakedown Street. Love this song. The Grateful Dead at 733 on your Monday morning. Already been a terrific show. Janaya Butler with a couple of big-time rap stars. Then uh, Curtis Sliwa. And a lot of big names still to come on this program, including Nancy Mace and Mike Lawler and Dr. Mark Siegel. Just to name a few. But uh, who walked into the studio just now? The man himself. I've mentioned him about 20 times already this morning. Because of his epic interview he had on his show on Sunday morning, Catch Round Table with Governor Kathy Hochul, I told you he does two great shows on this station, weekdays, 5 to 6, uh, Katz and Cosby. And again, that great Sunday morning show at 8 o'clock, Catch Round Table, happens to be the owner and operator of this station, Red Apple 
and just one of the nicest, most decent men you'll ever meet. And he's getting texts, like I am, from people who are upset. They're not in page 24 of today's New York Post. My good buddy John Katzmatidis. Good morning, John. Well, I had dinner with Dr. Siegel on, on Saturday night, and he and he saw the preview of the uh, of the uh, New, York, New York Post ad. And he says, <laughs> my picture's not there. <laughs> He was very upset. <laughs> he was actually upset last Friday because we had to move him because he called and it was a, the segment was coming to an end. I said, Siegel, I want to give you your full 10 minutes. So he got upset. He goes, I feel like you don't love me anymore. And then Kimberly Guilfoyle, because Lara, Pipko, and Donald Trump are all in there. And now Rudy Giuliani's upset, isn't he, John? Rudy sent me a text at 6.30 this morning. He says, I'm not in there. He was in the last three I months. Know, you know yeah. what I said to Rudy? I said, Rudy, it was six picks. As a matter of fact, you got uh, you got with little Jimmy, and uh, Jimmy does the uh, the, I love uh, the, the, uh, the post ad, and uh, you got your choice of who you want on there. That's true. Rudy was on the last three you months. You still got Eric Adams on there. I still kept him, yes. There's 18 pictures. Not a lot, and it's a lot of 18? folks. That's only eighteen. So we're going to call him Sid's eighteen from now on. <laughs> I think so. Well, there's four. If you can't never... make the top eighteen, you're, you're nobody, trouble. right? And how, the... how does how did he sing it? You're nobody <laughs> till somebody <laughs> till Sydney loves you. <laughs> They're going to change the word. I like that. Yeah, the... you're nobody till Sydney loves that's you. It. There's four that'll never change, and that's you, John Trump, O'Reilly, and my mother Naomi. Those four are in for life. The well, other 14 up for grabs. I heard Trump did a good job in uh, in Las Vegas this Oh, weekend. he did a great job. Roger Stone flew out with him. Oh, Roger's, you know, tell you, Roger's somebody, doing a great Mike job Savage on Sundays. Mike Savage texts me and says, uh, Roger Stone did a lousy uh, job. I said, he was traveling with Trump in Las Vegas, and he had to do that show last minute. Oh, you mean the Sunday show? Yeah. Because he's been great. He's been great on Sundays. He's been great. He's yeah, been he's great. terrific. So talking about Sundays and Roger Stone, you had a big show yesterday. And uh, you brought on the governor, and uh, she actually uh, blamed, I, I told you this, that Cuomo, when I had the phone conversation with Andrew, he didn't want to talk about bail reform because he said to me, he said, I don't really want to throw Hochul under the bus. Well, it didn't seem like yesterday Hochul cared about throwing him under the bus because that's exactly what she did, John. You, you know my policy, uh, Sid. I let everybody do the talking and when there was one point uh, where the governor I didn't agree with, I was very nice. And you know what I said? I said, Governor, your advisors around you are not telling you the truth. I heard that. Was was that the right way to say it? You I said mean, it you, perfectly. You, look, the, a governor is the governor. I have a lot of respect for She's a tough Irish girl. She's really tough Irish girl. And, and she really wants to do the job. Between me and you, I think she really wants to do the job. I think she is being hogtied by the uh, State Assembly and the State Senate. And when I said to her, I did say to her that we have 51 seats out of 51 coming due in the city council this November, and we're declaring war. If you don't have want peace and tranquility in our city, and if you don't want X, Y, Z, and you know what she said? I support you 100%. Well, she has been doing stuff. Before. She wants to do the job. Yeah, she has been. She did try to but change bail reform. She did. Didn't get a lot done, but she tried. We, it's not her fault. Let's go after the socialists, the people that that wanted, they, they want to destroy our city. You know how bad San Francisco is? Horrible. They're down to 31%. Chicago is down to 50%. 
Baltimore, they're going to roll up the sidewalks in Baltimore. Yeah. Philadelphia, I talked to my friend, Governor Rendell, Eddie Rendell. He, you know, he's a good guy. I love it. And, and he, he's crying about what's going on in Philadelphia. When, you know, and you know what I said to Eric Adams? When he first got elected, I said to him, I said, Eric Adams, you do a good job for New York. And you're, you're a, a black mayor, a next cop. People want you to succeed. They want you to succeed. You want him to succeed. Of course I do. And you know what I said to him? Provide the leadership to the other Democratic cities. Enough is enough. Well, you said on this show, I'll never forget, you were uh, you were filling in for me. You were on with me, actually. And you had the mayor on. And you basically said, as Joe Biden gets set to meet with King Charles at the Windsor Palace in England today, you basically said, you can be the king. You can have it all. Yeah. You make it work here. You can have it all. Now, the truth is, as much as you like him, and I, there were days I like him, a lot of I days I don't. I want him to he's succeed, not, but, but, but he's not going to succeed. But we're not going the right direction. There we're you still, go. We're, we're still, you know, we're not going the right direction yet. And um, But we have no choice. What choice did you have with de Blasio for eight years? Well, that was the point I made last week, though. When, when Bill de Blasio was failing the city, John. Like Bill de Blasio is a very nice guy. I don't know him personally. but well, I do. But people, He's a very nice guy, but, he, you know, he just. He was terrible. Uh, but people weren't telling me when I was criticizing de Blasio, John, hey, he's all we've got. They were okay with that. For some reason with Adams, maybe because God appointed him, people get very upset. Well, you know something? We're on the verge of losing the city. Uh, Manhattan. You, you know, we go up and down the streets. Half the stores are empty. Uh, half the stores are not coming in. Uh, uh, when I talk to uh, Governor Murphy, he might be on this week with me, uh, he uh, he plans to sue uh, New York State for, for this congestion pricing. Yeah, yeah. Because you know what's going to happen? They're going to – how do you say it in Brooklyn? They're going to glom the money. <laughs> they're they're going to take the congestion pricing and, and glom it and say, oh, we're going to use it. We're going to use it someplace else. Yeah, it's BS. Yeah, Captain Hochul, Hochul actually I, made the point this friend, morning. What was his name? You don't have that that clip. Which one? It's a lot of crap. <laughs> well, you got a slow old board operator. I don't, think, I don't think we have a lot of crap that uh, particular okay. time. But but Hochul did make it a point this yeah. morning to say she's still good friends with Phil Murphy, even though they do disagree on the congestion pricing issue. But they're still good friends, uh, the governor of New York. Well, New they, they're always going to say that. Yeah, of course. You know, they're always yeah. going to say that. But, uh... but I do want to ask you about the economy. I was watching uh, my friend Chuck Todd. He's running out of Sundays on Meet the Press. And thank God, I love Chuck personally. But it shows a disaster. And he was talking about... Bidenomics. Joe Biden has made the point the last couple of days that his economy is working. The problem is, and Eric Adams says the same thing, it's the media that doesn't give the real information. He's saying, look, unemployment's down, and you've got inflation now down to about 4%. It's working. The United States is the greatest country in the world. We don't want a recession. But Chairman Powell, if he doesn't lower interest rates, I mean, they all say, raise them, raise them, raise them. Lower the interest rates because the banks have the the banks are in trouble. The banks worry about their own existence, and they're not lending money out in, in real estate. They're not lending out money. I mean, they'll renew your loan under the policy. Oh, we'll renew your loan. We might attach your left testicle to your right ear a little bit, but we're going to renew your loan. Well, I'm glad you said that because Chuck Todd said to Phil Murphy, 
He said, I don't understand. Yes, inflation has gone down from 8% to just over 4%, but interest rates, John, to your point, are going through the roof. And for Murphy said, they have no choice. They have a choice. They have a choice. The economy can go, the United States, we want a great economy. And it could be a great economy again, but, but, Powell, I don't understand him. You know, he read Samuelson's uh, economic book from 50 years ago. Uh, it's different. <laughs> I mean, you have to see what's going on. Right. So you're telling me, John, that you can uh, get inflation down and improve the economy without raising interest rates. Of course, you're right. But they're lying to us. What if they did this? What if they decided one morning to start being energy independent again, opening up pipelines, drilling for oil. How There's much a that war help? going on. We want, we can do it. We can bring it down to $65, $55 oil. But Russia and, and Saudi Arabia, OPEC nations, and they want to take care of themselves. They want $90 oil. For whom do the bells toll? I say let it toll for America. Yes. Because we can't lose that economic war. And every, every week, there's another country that attaches themselves to Saudi Arabia, Iran, or Russia, or China. And, you know, in Brooklyn, loan to own. You know how much money Chinese are, are lending out in Africa no. and South America? A ton uh, of money. Uh, what was the old expression in Brooklyn? Loan to own. Loan to own. So the Chinese lend the money. Knowing that those countries can't pay it back. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then, you know what they do? They yeah. attach. Yep. Yep. They attach. Yep. I mean, it's the truth. I once sent to, to the World Bank president, uh, Mount Pass, and he just, uh, he just retired, uh, after four years. And you know what I said? I said, will the World Bank lend money to these countries to pay back the Chinese loan if they can't pay it back? And you know what he said? I can't. You know why? <laughs> why? China owns 20% of the bank. There they veto it. Yeah. They won't allow him. They won't allow the World Bank to lend money to the poor countries right. to pay back the Chinese loan without getting foreclosed on. Aye, aye, aye. They own everything. Well, listen, uh, that is the type of analysis you get every weekday afternoon at 5 to 6, Katz and Cosby, every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock with the Katz round table. The man's a genius and the biggest heart in New York City, my dear friend who I love desperately, John Katzmatidis. Thank you, John. Break a leg. Thank you, John Katzmatidis. We'll take a uh, short break. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. One of the Democratic candidates is Senator Joseph Biden. Have you seen the problem he's been having? He went around and made a speech. And apparently, he quoted a, I think it was a British politician, took his speech and kind of paraphrased it as his own. And then the press got on him, and then he was charged also with taking part of Bobby Kennedy's speeches. And Biden says, not to worry, he reassured his staff, he said, we have nothing to fear, but fear itself. You believe that, folks? Even 37 years ago, 37 years ago, the great Johnny Carson making fun of Joe Biden for stealing someone else's stuff and being basically inept. He talked about Bobby Kennedy. And I do want to play these cuts later, but my dear friend at this station and the very, very highly rated and talented host of The Other Sign of Midnight, Frank Morano, 
had uh, RFK Jr. on last night. And it was a terrific and fascinating interview. So with that said, here he is on a Monday morning, close to 8 o'clock, my friend Frank Morano. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Sid. It's great to be back. Thanks so much for having me. Great to have you. So uh, Johnny there making fun of Biden, talking about how Biden stole Very from, from Bobby's speech. And you got the yeah. kid on, RFK Jr., and the more people I speak to, a lot of big fans out there, Roger Stone, Jimmy Breslin's son, Kevin Breslin, all these guys love him. Now, of course, Stone is still a Trump guy, but a lot of folks, at least on the Democrat side, only like RFK Jr. You've had him on a couple of times now. What were your impressions after last night's conversation? I have to tell you, I, I find him more impressive with each interaction, and he strikes me as a very serious guy. I have to confess, before I started talking with him, before I started listening to the things that he's saying on the campaign trail, I thought he was just some sort of anti-vax kook, but that's not true. Uh, he His position on vaccines is very reasonable. I mean, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about it this morning. It was mostly, but basically he just wants vaccines to be subject to the same sort of testing requirements that every other medication is subjected to. And he's genuinely pro-choice. He wants people to be able to choose for themselves whether to get vaccinated or not. He said his wife, Cheryl, uh, who's on Curb Your Enthusiasm, she's vaccinated and uh, half of his children got the COVID vax. So he's not some lunatic anti-vaxxer. He's strikes me as a, a very serious guy, and I find him very impressive, I have to say. So is he, uh, I know we know the answer to this, but just for folks that may not know, had Roger on uh, last week, and Roger talked about how Biden has kept these JFK documents, uh, his uncle, mm. sealed. And and, and uh, somebody else made the point, I forget who it was, by the way, Donald Trump did the same exact thing. So there's something in there that kind of scared Trump, too. But either way, Roger Stone believes that the CIA killed Kennedy and that it wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald. And a lot of folks call that conspiracy theorist. I'm not sure. I, I may I may actually agree with Roger Stone. I know RFK Jr. feels the same way. Was that part of the conversation last night? It was. It was. We spoke about his father's assassination and his uncle's assassination and that decision from President Biden last Friday to essentially in the middle of the night on a holiday weekend on a Friday to announce that they're not going to be releasing any more documents and that uh, they've already released 99 percent of these documents and they're not going to release the rest for national security reasons. And it one, it makes no sense. He says we released 99 percent. How do we know? We have no idea how many documents are actually out there. We have no idea if he's telling the truth. Two is if we're still keeping things secret from 1963 for national security reasons, that's a real problem. Now, I don't think there's some smoking gun um, in locked in a drawer somewhere that said, oh, the real killer is actually this person. So you have to wonder, what are they hiding? And to me, that is the broader question. And uh, I don't know if the CIA was involved. There's always been speculation about the CIA, the mob, somebody else. But there's clearly something that the national security state, whether it's Trump, whether it's Biden, whether it's other people, that they don't want released. And now Biden has said that these records are going to remain secret indefinitely. Wow. And uh, that's a real problem. This is the other side of Midnight host Frank Morano, good buddy of mine and a tremendous radio guy. Hey, uh, Frank, I want to get to this Eric Adams story. I don't think that uh, anybody in my audience 
maybe some, I shouldn't say that, it's a very bright audience, about 99% have no idea what a straw donor is. Uh, they know about Montgomery. They know six people facing indictment for uh, donor money to Eric Adams. But the specifics, for guys that don't follow this very, very closely, are a bit confusing. And is Eric Adams, why is he even attached to this if, in fact, he had no idea what these people were doing? And according to him, didn't even know five of these six people. What is this story all about? Yeah, so let me let me put this as simply as can be. See, in New York City, you get eight to one matching funds. The city and uh, the generous taxpayers of our city will give you eight public dollars for every contribution up to $250. So it pays to have a lot of individual small dollar contributions because that gets matched eight to one. If you have a thousand dollars and you contributed to me, only the first $250 is matched. But if that's broken up into 10 other contributions, then that's eight to, that's $900 each because of that eight to one match for $100. So what these guys did is they essentially created donors that had no idea they were making a contribution, and then they used straw donors, people that weren't actually using their own money, so that they could exploit the match. And the reason this is significant is two reasons. One, we were told this uh, campaign matching fund system was going to limit the influence of money in politics. These are people that were doing business with the city, and clearly they were doing this to get some special influence with city government and with Mayor Adams. And again, Mayor Adams, there's no allegation that he did anything wrong here. Although this is a fella, the ringleader of this, Mr. Montgomery, that he had a relationship with going way back to the when they were in the NYPD together. But here's the problem. Having a system like this, and we saw this with Malcolm Smith, we've seen it with a lot of people, having a system like this where the city is going to give you money for free, the more individual donors you have, it incentivizes uh, candidates to do this. Sure. And what's more disconcerting is the state has now adopted this very same program and they're going to roll it out statewide, which I think has the potential to be, forget about more expensive, it has the potential to be the same sort of invitation for corruption around the state that we've now been seeing in New York City. Wow. Let's get to this Brooklyn Council race. You and I did a lot of council talk. Me and Curtis do it, too. You're all over these things and uh, provided some very good analysis on this program about it. This is uh, the newly created Asian district setting up for a very, very big fight come November. Give us the latest on that race. Okay, so uh, just for people I haven't been following it, the 43rd Council District in Brooklyn, it covers a bit of Bensonhurst, New Utrecht, some of Diker Heights, some of Sunset Park. This district was specifically drawn to be an Asian majority district so that the Asian voters could have a, a, a candidate of their own. So the Democrats had a bunch of Asian folks running. They had a primary and uh, one of the Democrats won. The Republicans had the opportunity to nominate an Asian candidate. They did initially. He drops out because he was intimidated seeing what happened with, uh, with, uh, with another candidate. He was sort of persuaded to drop out. So then they back an Italian candidate, Vito Labella. <laughs> Vito, Vito Labella. Vito I, 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 I think he was in uh, Gravesend with me. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
um, Vito Labella is in a Republican primary against Ying Tan, a community activist that doesn't even live in Brooklyn. So when you give this Asian district a choice of Vito Labella or Ying Tan, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> shockingly, they voted for Ying Tan. So yeah, Ying Tan is the Republican okay. nominee. Yeah. Okay, makes yeah. sense. Now, Vito Labella says... He is staying in the race as the conservative oh, no. party nominee. Now, no this is a, a real potential problem for the Republicans because this is expected to be a very close race. So even if LaBella gets three, four, maybe even five percent of the vote on that conservative line, that could a, a oh. lot of those voters yep. would have would have certainly voted for the yep. Republican candidate that could toss this seat to the Democrats. So it now New York City has ranked choice voting for the primary but not for the general election. If New York had it for the general, they'd be able to vote for LaBella as their first choice and then Ying Tan as their second choice. But uh, barring that, there's a very real chance that LaBella's decision to stay mm. in this race as you a third-party candidate could actually cost the Republicans a seat. I'm going to have to call one of Vito's relatives and have him make <laughs> Vito an offer he can't refuse. Get out, Vito LaBella. Do us all a favor and get out. We need those Republican seats. Uh, I know you've enjoyed the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary. I talked about it last week. I did, too. But we're out of time for this appearance. We'll do it again next week. It was great, as always. Your show, The Other Side of Midnight, is great. You're a terrific host and a great guy. Thank you so much on this Monday morning, Frank. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Congratulations on the uh, tremendous success of Gravesend. Thank you. Hearing great reviews. If people want to hear that whole Robert Kennedy interview, they can go to WABCRadio.com. And they should. It's a great interview. Frankie, thank you. There he is, folks, the host of The Other Side of Midnight, 1 to 5 a.m. every weekday morning, right before Noam and me. Really talented, great guy, my friend Frank Morano. Only halfway through. What a start, huh, folks? It's only Monday morning. Jenea Butler, Curtis Lee, John Cachimatidis, and Frank Morano. Still to come. Dr. Mark Siegel, Noam Layden, Congressman Mike Lawler, and Congresswoman out of the great state of South Carolina, my friend Nancy Makes. Two hours in, two more exciting hours to come. Monday morning with me, Sid, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Come on. Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
Taylor Swift style. Peter King just made the best post he's ever made. Pete does a lot on social media. He's great on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. So he puts up a post this morning. There's a picture on the left of Chaz Palminteri, two pictures of Chaz. On the right, a picture of me and Peter, a picture of me, William DeMeo, and Leo Rossi. And at the very top, a picture of me with the uh, words talking about my character, Dave Busco, and he writes this. Watched Gravesend Series 2, Episode 2, on Amazon Prime last night, featuring two good friends of mine, Sid Rosenberg and Chaz Palminteri. This is, again, Peter King. Gravesend captures the grime and grit of the Brooklyn mob scene, and Sid and Chaz make it happen. Sid's ego will be bigger than ever. Well, Signed, Peter King. That was such a bold prediction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's not true. I don't even talk about it. Okay. Yeah, right. by the way, could we get this TV on Channel 5? Because <laughs> William DeMayo and, and uh, what's the kid's name? He's cute. He's gay. Um, Mario Cantone. <laughs> They're about to go on with Rosanna Scotto on Channel 5 talking about me and Gravesend. So put that on, damn it. Can it set on his resume? <laughs> yeah. I'm cute and I'm gay. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. I don't know. Fine. I don't even talk about <laughs> I don't. I really bring it up. Thank you, uh, right. Peter King. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, my next guest I just saw moments ago on Fox News, and, of course, he's a dear friend of the program and a dear friend of mine. He is the very, very talented and brilliant, mind you, Dr. Mark Siegel. Siegel, eight eleven Monday morning. How are you, pal? Well, I love you so much that I'm going to ignore the fact that you didn't put me in that beautiful ad that you have in the New York Post today, talking about how you're the greatest morning show ever. I agree with that. And well, Pete King is one of the reasons, by the way. Yes, so he I'm, is. I'm in good company. Yeah, he's on every Wednesday. So uh, now you, Kimberly Gilfoyle, and Rudy Giuliani uh, will be in next month because you all reached out to me. Now, you know I love you, and I watch you on TV all the time. In fact, I can't hear you when you're on in the morning on Fox and Friends because I'm on at the same time. But I've got televisions in the studio, and I think I saw something really fascinating this morning. Were you on with Brian, Peter, and uh, Ainsley talking about a Yale doctor who is now asking physicians to wear body cams in an attempt to reverse racism? Exactly. Brian, uh, Steve, and, and Ainsley. And uh, this is a shocker. Coming out of Yale, Dr. Calhoun wrote an op-ed in the New York, uh, I mean, in the Boston Globe. She uh, is a psych resident and an MPH, a public health expert. But this is beyond absurd. And I'll give you many reasons I think that before I get to our sports roundup. First of all, <laughs> for, first of all, The whole idea of a doctor-patient encounter is an intimate disclosure of information where I can help the patient. And I can't do that if I'm being recorded, if every word I say is being recorded. Same for the patient, by the way, not just for me. So it's a really bad idea. It undermines the whole idea of, of trust of kindness, of compassion, and of disclosure. Yes, I bring a second person into the room, a, a nurse, if I'm examining a woman. Uh, as far as the underlying idea that, that that racism has gotten so out of control in doctor-patient encounters that it requires recording, it's not my experience. I'll, t- I'll tell you, Sid, you know, I trained at Bellevue, and, and I've been in practice over 30 years. Are, is there racism? Sure. Is there anti-Semitism? Sure. Is there misogyny? Sure. But the vast majority of the doctors that I know and work with 
treat people pretty much the same. I mean, do we have biases? Yes, but we're trained that people are the same. Everybody has organ systems. Everybody has the same diseases. And that's how we look at it. Yeah. So. And 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 plus, we're already under the gun with malpractice and with with people reporting us to the hospital patient advocates. So I, I reject this completely out of hand. And by the way, I know what you're going to say next. With the police body cams, they found that it was the perps that that caused most of the trouble, yes. not the police. Right. right? But, but what they do is they they cut off just enough of the video and make the video available to the media that only shows the bad guy getting shot. And people go, oh, my God, they don't show the whole video. And I'm sure they'll do the same thing with the doctors. And i got to tell you, very anecdotal, but I've got a lot of experience with your hospital, NYU. Ava was there just a couple of months ago. I've been there. My wife, Danielle, many, many, many years ago had exploratory surgery there. We've all been there. And every time we've been there, it's been a very rewarding stay. We've never had an issue, never. No, and and that's the, the there's a standard of care. Now it, 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 that is a philosophy we superimpose, and that's how we're trained, and and we have to be trained that way. I mentioned Bellevue specifically because Bellevue takes all comers. That's the whole philosophy of the hospital. And I've treated murderers next, right next to the people to the people that, that well not not I, I've I've. I've treated people who assault people handcuffed on stretchers next to the people they assaulted. Right. That's how we approach it. Right, right. You know, I read something interesting, too, last week talking about COVID because, you know, Doc, I've been very adamant about this, uh, even Bernard, when he was here, God rest his soul, that I thought COVID was gone well before. And there are still morons, morons every day wearing masks in this city. I don't know why. I don't know why, but they're wearing masks. But I read something last week that somebody who works for the city, you know, one of these city health people, said, hold on a second, don't get too comfortable because he can tell you for a fact there'll be another strain, maybe worse than the first, still to come. Don't get too comfortable. I read that. I was like, really? We're still doing stuff like that? What are your thoughts on his statement? I think you already got to the other virus here, which is fear. It's fear is used to control the population. And when the, when you want to look at the medical facts, we've put down a huge layer of immunity against SARS-CoV-2 now in its various forms, both from having had infections. And I think one of the reasons for the anger in this country was that there was a lack of recognition by public health authorities that having had COVID gave you some immunity. That was recognized in Europe and in Israel and in other countries, not recognized here. So we have a layer of immunity from previous infection, plus all the vaccinations, plus the fact that the, that the strains of Omicron have clearly been milder. We're seeing less long COVID from it, less hospitalizations from it, and, and it's petered out. Can it come back? Yes. Is it going to be worse? No. No. The nature of a virus when it's been around a while is that it, it doesn't get worse. It actually gets milder, and that's what we're seeing. So it's something that's with us, it, like the flu is with us, but it's right. not It's not going to reiterate it, it, its previous uh, terror, except in people's minds. Right, and that's why there's still home kids and people still test for it, when in reality, the flu is a heck of a lot worse right now than uh, than COVID. And you're right, the, the fear factor is the major deal. Now, RFK Jr. is a guy that's getting a lot of play on the left because he's second to Biden. Now, he's miles behind him, 35 points, 30 points, 40 points in some polls, but he is in second, and he does kind of, Dr. Mark Siegel, speak to both parties. He is an anti-vaxxer, but a lot of people say, well, listen, he's made some points. I know a lot of folks that got the vaccines and still got COVID afterwards. In fact, they're still getting COVID now. What are your thoughts on some of the anti-vaxxers? 
Well, I, I have a position slightly different, which is why you have me on. Here's my position. I've been on a Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s show, Ring of Fire, over the years many times. I think he's sharp as a tack. I think he's a great attorney. I think he, he's championing causes for social justice. I think he is a worthy opponent of Biden. I think Biden, as we know, is faltering. I mean, you can't use the word gaff anymore. I'm sorry. That that, that gaff is for something that happens when you're making a joke or something. But right. I, I think we're well beyond the gaff stage. But the problem is that RFK Jr. is not right about vaccines, because what we need to not do with vaccines is look for side effects and say, you see, you see, you see, somebody got this issue, somebody's heart rate went up, somebody got, listen, the whole thing we do in the doctor's office is called the risk-benefit analysis. Of course the thing has risks. We shouldn't be downplaying it. Which is worse, the virus or the vaccine? It's not political, it's medical. Which is worse, the virus or the vaccine? And then... Over time, is there a benefit for having been vaccinated? I go over this with each patient, Sid. If a patient said, I did really poorly with the last vaccine, I'm probably not shoving another one at them. It depends on what the history is. Have you heard about this new drug, Trank? Seems that New York City officials, Dr. Mark Siegel, are encouraging Trank addicts to use zombie drug under supervision. So it's not bad enough. All right, I'm an addict, right? I am a, a, a proud, uh, I admit it, I'm in recovery for a long time. And I say that if you make drug use easier for the addict, the odds are higher they're going to do it. The whole idea is to try to dissuade drug addicts from using drugs, not help them. Don't put crack pipes in vending machines. Don't have them show up at these uh, these places and shoot them up with drugs like this drug, Trank, which, by the way, eats at your flesh. What am I missing here? I'm a recovering addict. I think you've got it totally ass backwards in this city. I think you could give a, a lecture on exactly what you just said. You nailed it. The fact is that one leads to another, and that applies to cannabis, too, which and I like to say marijuana should be renamed because it's got so much THC in it now, <laughs> whereas when we were kids, said, you know, it was 1.5%. Now it's 30%. It's a different drug. Wow. It's invading the workplace, and it's being, of course, legalized in 23 states, but it's, and then the medical uses of it in 38 states, almost anybody can get it with a prescription, the easiest thing in the world. And it's it's propagating itself and invading the workplace. Pregnant women are, are, are smoking marijuana, and, and that's very dangerous to the fetus. And it leads to other usage, which was your point about Trank. I mean, it, you can't control this by giving alternative drugs. That's not the way to control it. You have to acknowledge that it's an issue. And I'm worried about, I'm worried about it cognitively. Like, how are people performing? What are the long-term effects? That's what I'm worried about. And the other point which you and I have made multiple times, is the pandemic fueled this fire, didn't it? Everybody's staying at home, people worried, anxious, and they self-medicated. Oh, during the pandemic, drug use and alcohol use and all that went up. So did battery at home and horrible, uh, horrible violent situations between significant others. All that went up. And, uh, of course, there are still people out there that refuse to admit Dr. Mark Siegel that uh, shutting everything down and keeping people home was the wrong thing to do. But we're well past that at this point. How about the fact that Jacob DeGrom is already out for the year? <laughs> well, but they, the Mets didn't help them. I agree. You and I, you and I put, put that to bed last year. I yes. Think, 
I think there was no. I think that that it was fine, but but Verlander's too too old. And I, right now, I'm focusing on the Yankees because I think I want to ask you if if Paul O'Neill is coming back as their their hitting coach because <laughs> because getting rid of Dylan Lawson. I, look, they they got a manager who's pretty good, but they don't. But that hitting is not their thing, and they need, they need to up the game. What do you think about Paul O'Neill for that? Well, I don't think he would ever do it. He makes uh, millions of dollars sitting in a cushy booth. But but you know, to me, there's there's and I used to argue with this. Uh, Jody McDonald, way back when on WFAN, early 2000s, the Mets had former Yankee great Chris Chambliss as their hitting coach. And they fired him. One of those guys, I forget. And I was like, why? I go, these kids have been playing baseball since they're six years old. It's like tennis players. You don't get to the major leagues unless you've been playing baseball your whole life. There's very few, maybe Charlie Lau, maybe George Brett, that have helped people become better hitters when they're already at the major league level. So to fire a hitting coach is so ridiculous, and all it does is say to the fans, look, somebody's taking the fall. But he's the last guy that should take the fall. These guys are making millions of dollars to do something they've done for 30, 25, 20 years, hit the baseball. Firing the hitting coach to me is a joke. That's a really good point, and I think they're also reeling psychologically from the cameraman getting hit in the head and having the fracture, and by the oh, what the, was that? Jimmy Cordero getting out for domestic violence. Yeah, all that, they got all that, that too. That. Yeah, tell me about that cameraman story. That was that was pretty ugly, no? He got an orbital fracture. He went home. He's he dodged a bullet. It could have been a lot worse. But man, that's a that, that shortstop can can really throw. I mean, I, I, if he could only control it. But, <laughs> but, but, by the way, what about the Knicks getting getting rid of Obi Topin for nothing? For nothing. Well, What's that? what happened was, uh, and a lot of people don't know this, but in that last series against the Miami Heat. I guess Obi was upset with his lack of playing time or something the coach did. And there's a video that my son Gabriel, my son Gabe now is the biggest NBA fan. He knows everything about every team, including the Knicks. And Gabe showed me the video. He played the audio, I should say, where uh, at the end of the game, Obi Toppin is taped actually saying this guy can't coach. And he was talking about, of course, the Knicks head coach. So Tom Thibodeau, so you knew at that point that it was going to be uh, pretty much over for Obi. Caught on tape after a Nick loss to the Heat downstairs by the locker room, yelling about the lousy coaching job Tom Thibodeau was doing. That made his exit, Dr. Mark Siegel, very easy. And I'm I'm very sad because even though I'm a Randall fan, especially because when you and I were sitting in the front row, he looked to you for approval. <laughs> by the way. No, no, no. <laughs> I know. He's from Texas, and it just so happened the guy sitting right in front of me, Dr. Mark, is kind of a well-known guy, Dallas Cowboy Hall of Fame wide receiver Michael Irvin. I think he was looking at him, but thank you. <laughs> I'm looking at both of you because you knew you knew you both and you know each other. But you know, look, I'm a Randall fan. I think he's an exciting player. Player, but Top, Toppin's point is, you know, he was supposed to get more playing time. Yep. Everybody thought he was going to come up behind and be Mister Consistency and yep. get more minutes. So maybe yep. he has a real gripe here. I don't know, but uh, the Knicks are a really good basketball team, yes. and Brunson was great. But they really need to add one more uh, major scorer, and they haven't done it yet. So um, I'm trying to see what uh, what they're going to do next. You know, they didn't make any big trades. They lost a guy in top, and so we'll see. But nevertheless, it is great to have you back, Dr. Mark Siegel. Excellent appearance. We'll do it again very, very soon. I love you, We're pal. We're going to be at that steakhouse very soon. In a couple of months, we're heading to that steakhouse. So Keen's, Keen's Steakhouse. It- yeah, and, they, then, and then the game. And as soon as they see your face, we're going to the front row. So we're good. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Mark. You were great. Thank you. Thank you so much. There he is, Dr. Mark Siegel, on this Monday edition 
from Sid and Friends in the morning. Man, what a show already. This is a Monday morning. Monday morning. Jenea Butler, Curtis Sliwa, John Katsimatidis, Frank Morano, Dr. Mark Siegel. Still to come, Noam Layden, Congressman Mike Lawler, and Congresswoman out of South Carolina, Nancy Mace. But before, here's some more Taylor Swift style. Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. In the beginning, there was the baby photo. And Naomi showed it to everyone. Then, there was an internet radio show. Then there was Imus. Then came the book. Then came the other book. Then the TV appearances. Ready, camera one. Then the movie. And action. Then the other movie. And action. Then the big TV show. Right on set. Then the magazine photo shoot. Then, according to Nielsen, the number one news talk morning radio show in New York City. And now, it's official. Sid Rosenberg is famous. I'm famous. Have I really done all that? Is that really... That is a great bit, Chris Libertini, but have I really done all that? <laughs> you asking because yeah. you want to respond. Right, you just want us to, you just want us to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you, you have know done what? All that. And another thing, Chris, he missed this yeah, stuff, Yeah, too. yeah, yeah, he missed let me, this. Let me explain Well, all he did miss a couple of things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Last damn sports show and NFL pregame show on Westwood One and... Syndicated talk show host in over 60 markets for both Sports Fan Radio Network and Westwood One for Joel Hollander. So, but, uh, <laughs> Sorry, we had like, yeah. they had like a minute probably. Yeah. They couldn't get all that in. That was so. a great bit. <laughs> that was a great bit. Doug Kissler just um, saw me in the hallway and said, Oh, my God, is that the biggest crossover star in radio history? He did not say that. I swear to God, on, on Gabriel and Ava, he said that. That doesn't I mean, sound like sarcastic. No, no, he's being completely serious. Oh, okay. yeah. no, he was, he's a huge Gravesend fan. Huge, so. Is that the biggest cross? I mean, uh, how many other guys have the number one radio show and, and a legitimate, legitimate, I'm not Robert De Niro, but at least the start, the start, of an acting career. How many guys? None. Zero. No. Just zero. Thank that's you very much. Yes, You're welcome. I mean, Stern had private parts, but that was about him. It was yeah. great. It was so great. Oh, was that terrific? That was great. <laughs> God, I love that movie. Loved it. One of my favorite movies ever. Uh, Gnome, any thoughts on me? <laughs> I mean, is there anybody wired like you are? I don't think I don't, there is I don't. any. Stern. I, I haven't. No. Not even Trump. No. What about Trump? He, he has his name on everything, buildings, airplanes, got to be Trump. 
Okay, so we're going to start putting your name down the uh, Well, down you know what's funny? And... When I used to be critical of Trump, and I voted for Hillary the first time, and I'd be yelling at Bernie about what an a-hole Trump was, and Bernie, I'll never forget it, he, brilliant, God bless his soul, he said, you're just like him. What don't, and, and I swear to God, the first time he said that to me, and Jill was here, she was laughing, and I said, you know, you're right. I am. Yeah, we start examining it. Well, very similar. He says that he has a lot more money, and um, more people want him dead than me, although I think I'm gaining on him. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> no, what do we got today, handsome? You know, Elton John played his very last concert of his career on Saturday night Is in that right? Sweden. Yeah. Stockholm, Sweden. So he's never going to perform live again? He may do like a one-off here and there, but he says he's not even sure of that. He says no more touring. This was it, the Yellowbrook Road Tour, which started back in 2018, interrupted by COVID. Then he went back out on the road, the biggest grossing concert tour of all time, though I guess Taylor Swift is awfully close. So here he was, Stockholm, Sweden. This was the last thing he said, and then he played Yellowbrook Road and walked off stage. My very first concert in Sweden was on the... uh... 8th, 7th of July in 1971, so more or less 52 years ago to the day I first played in Sweden. And you know how much I love to play live. It's been my life club to play for you guys. And you've been absolutely magnificent. Thank you. And that was it. Then he played you. Oh, my God. I'm so sad. Off stage. I'm yeah. sad. You think Elton John is more famous than me at this point, right now? I mean, right um, now, not right now. Yeah, right it's now, it's close. He's not in Gravesend, I'll tell you that. Well, he's not having bits written about him by <laughs> Christopher Martinez. <laughs> he's not in the uh, the uh, New York Post ad. No, no he's, he's not. not. One of friends. He doesn't have eighteen friends. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, when I when I think about the great individual performers, I'm not talking about bands, guys with bands like the Beatles, the Stones, Bruce, whatever. Um, is I mean, Elton and Billy Joel always come to mind as the top two. Am I missing somebody, Lou or Noam? Or? I, I think that's about it. I mean, it. individual artists, men, who's better than Elton and Billy? Which is funny because uh, they, they performed together many times years ago. That was a heck of a show, Elton and Billy. Yeah, they toured. I remember that was yes. a great tour. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he Elton John. And I know that you love uh, Bernie Toppin. Well, M- McCartney. You have to put. Yeah, but he was part of the Beatles. Okay, but right now. Well, right he, now, he's yes. He's been touring and he gets everybody comes on with him. I'm just throwing But most of his stuff is with the Beatles and Wings. I mean, all Elton John's stuff is uh, his own stuff. Right, but you're talking about performing. But I'm talking about individual performers, not a part of a band. Oh, okay, but he hasn't been part of a band. I know, but like all 20... the stuff he performs is from the band, from the Beatles, from Wings. All right. He doesn't have any real solo okay. hits, does he? He has some, but some. not like, not not like, like Elton, Elton John. No. Or Billy or. No. These guys got to be the top two ever. I would. I yeah. mean, I love Elton John. I I don't care if it's harmony. I tell you what's a great song, and my lovely wife, beautiful wife Danielle, loves it. Just for the instrumental before the song even starts, "Funeral for a Friend." Hmm. That is a great Elton John song. Well, it's funny that you should say that because uh, Elton John fans all over the world to celebrate the fact that this was his last show, Stockholm, Sweden. What do you mean? They picked the top ten. Elton John songs. Oh, I'm gonna have fun with this. Time. Oh, I'm gonna have fun with this. Okay. Please tell me, funeral for a friend was number one. Okay, let's just go slow. All right, all right, all right. I don't have time for all ten, so we're gonna start at number six. Number six. Okay. Goodbye, goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Well, you would be wrong. Oh, oh God. Rocket Man. This one goes out to Kim Jong Un via Donald Trump. All right, so Rocket Man number six. Yeah. 
Number five. And you want me to give you like a hint? Give me a hint, yeah. Okay. So Elton John and Bernie Taupin fell in love with the band, and that's the reason they wrote this song. I have no idea. The, ba- the band of Levon Band? The band. Well, um, Levon. Is Levon oh, is about Levon, Levon Helm, that's and it's right. at number it's five. Levon. Oh, that's Levon. what? That's what Levon? Yes. Levon likes his money. It's a great song. Yeah. It makes a lot the same. Now, you know that Lou Rufino smoked dope with uh, Levon He Helm. did. He's More than out. once. <laughs> I bet he gets good weed, too. That's his proudest accomplishment, not being with Imus or me. I smoke dope with Levon Helm. No, that's why my picture is in the post. <laughs> that's why, right. Great. All right, what's number right, four? Number four. Um, let's see. Uh, think Dorothy. Think uh, Wizard of Oz. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. So good, huh? It is such a great God, song. So good. You know what it is? You know every word of all these songs. Every one of them, yeah. yeah really is amazing. Number three. You know, okay. I, I, now, some of the songs I love won't be there, like Sorry, like Harmony. I know they're not going to be there. Daniel, Danielle, my brother. Your song. Uh, your song. That's probably That's got to be there. I'm going to go with your song right here, number three. Well, you're wrong. Okay. But you did mention the song just a few moments ago. Funeral for a Friend, Love Lies Bleeding, is number three. Oh, this is good. I like the light. I play all 11 minutes of the song, but we don't have time. So. It's a masterpiece, though. It's a great, it really is. It is. No, the introduction alone is just unreal. That's what starts. Yes. Road. Yes. That's number three. Number two. Right. Your number song? two. You're right. It's your song. It's a little bit funny. This feeling inside. I'm not one of those who can easily hide. Don't have much I money. Much money. I like you go. If I was a sculptor, but then again, no. Okay, right, number one. Where we at? Okay. Number one. Okay. Somebody number just one. sent me a text. Let me see what they're saying. Okay. Uh, two people. Mm-hmm. Two people sent me a text. Right. Uh, one, my friend Harlan, and one, Joe Nolan, and both of them, and I hope they're wrong because while it's a great song, it's not nearly as good as the four you just played, but both are saying Tiny Dancer. Well, wow. Yeah, that's, that's always You know, I don't get Tiny too. Dancer either. I mean, first the best Elton John song? Yeah. No. I don't get that either, but they're right. Oh! I don't agree with this list at all. Number one should not be Tiny no. Dancer, Jesus, but it no is. Way. Great song, but... Rocket no. Man, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, all Funeral better. for a Friend, all Your better. Song, All Better. Yeah. Play some of this. L.A. Lady Seems just for the band Pretty eyes Pirate smile You marry a music man Congressman Mike Lawler, the pride of New City in Rockland County, is joining us next. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. 
the great Kin Band. The great, great Kin Band. All love is, je- is in jeopardy. Uh, today is Greg Kin's birthday. Isn't that right, Louis Rufino? And he is 70. Another one. Yeah. 1950, so that's what? 73. 73. Right. Yeah, another one. They're all between 73 and 78. All of them. Great Kin Band. All love's in jeopardy. They were a great band. They were. Shout out to my friend in Nassau County, Colleen Smith. I saw her at the Ohika Castle a couple Mondays ago, and she actually guessed Tiny Dancer along with Joe Nolan. Joe Esposito checks in. He says, Sid, you're killing me. My baby Bella Chris is a late wife who passed away last year. Loved all of Elton John's songs. And Harry Mays out of Philadelphia asked the same question I asked, which is Billy Joel or Elton John. And to me, I cannot make that choice. That is a way too difficult choice. Can you? Can you make that choice? Between what's a... Elton John and Billy Joel? I don't think so. Why do you have to make a choice, though? Well, somebody asked, so... Okay, you don't have to make a choice. Yeah. You know, Mike Lawler was hanging out a couple of days ago with our dear friend Tim McCarthy. The great Tim McCarthy, who once was a program director here at WABC. Then he built ESPN in New York. And is a great friend to me. He texts me, I'd say, about three days a week on this show. He's a huge, avid Sid Rosenberg fan and listener. They were together at a fundraiser at the Jersey Shore last week because Mike Lawler is running, of course, come November. He is currently the congressman up in um, Rockland County. And uh, we love Mike Lawler. Here he is on a Monday morning. Mike, good morning, pal. How are you? I'm doing well, Sid. How are you? I'm doing great. Nice to have you back. So you have an election coming up. And uh, you're taking on Mondaire Jones, not a big fan, and the governor of Michigan. This is unbelievable. Gretchen Whitmer, her sister Liz. I'm not sure her last name is Whitmer. So you're taking on the Michigan governor's, former Michigan governor's sister, former, and Mondaire Jones. <laughs> that is quite a three-person race, Mike Lawler. It, it is something. You know, Mondaire Jones uh, last year was running down in Brooklyn and Manhattan. Uh, he got up and ditched his constituents uh, for what he thought to be greener pastures uh, and then got unceremoniously smacked down uh, by, you know, New York City voters because he was a carpetbagger. Uh, and he was only focused on trying to keep his job rather than serving his constituents. He shut down his office uh, months before his term expired after he lost his primary, wouldn't take any more constituent cases, even Uh, told his constituents on his website, call your U.S. senator for help. We're not helping you anymore. Wow. I mean, it's a total it's a total joke. Uh, He's a radical socialist uh, endorsed by AOC and the squad. Uh, He supported the defund the police movement uh, in 2020, believes in New York's disastrous cashless bail law, uh, was a co-sponsor of AOC's Green New Deal. Uh, He is way too extreme for the Hudson Valley. Uh, and then you have Gretchen Whitmer's uh, sister, Liz Whitmer Garrity, um, you know, who's apparently lived in the Hudson Valley for 20 years, uh, though nobody's ever heard of her. Uh, and, you know, now she's she's looking to run because, you know, in their minds, they're they're out here saving democracy. Uh, meanwhile, their policies are doing everything to destroy yeah. our economy yeah. and our country. Uh, and it's it's just an embarrassment, frankly. Yeah, but this doesn't sound like, now, if they were running in New York City against you, Mike, I'd say you're in big trouble because these morons who live here in this city, they're, they're right up their alley. You know, defund police, and we want more crime and more homeless and all that stuff. But where you are, 
great Americans, uh, Hudson County, up in Rockland County, all those fine places. New City, my two nieces, Tamara and Jennifer, live there, up into Pearl River. Uh, they don't like that type of stuff. So it doesn't seem to me, based on where you've already won a seat in Congress, that these two folks have any real chance. Well, it's it's funny. Mondaire uh, now is seemingly disavowing his previous record and political stances. Now he's a pragmatist, quote unquote. Uh, and, you know, he wants to fund the police uh, and, you know, he wants to really make sure that uh, the Hudson Valley is affordable for people. And he's taking on uh, Eric Adams over immigration. I mean, it, it, it's comical to watch him twist himself <laughs> into knots, uh, right. trying to, to find uh, newfound positions that he thinks will sell uh, in the Hudson Valley where he fled. You know, he was representing Rockland County in Congress and he just packed it in and left because Sean Maloney said, I'm going to run here. You don't run away from your constituents. You tell Sean Maloney to go to hell and you run against him. Which is what you I did. I mean, it was just, it, yeah. it was just yeah. priceless to watch. Uh, and now he thinks, you know, uh, because he's God's gift to democracy, that he should be welcomed back. Well, it ain't going to happen because all the policies that he's adopting now, because like you said, carpetbagger, front wanted trying to win, you already had these philosophies. You already had these policies, I should say. And, uh, look, even going back to the whole migrant situation when guys like you and Ed Day stood up to the mayor and said, no, no, not here, not here. And as far as I know, and I'm not following it all that closely up there, but not one migrant was dropped off at that hotel in, in, uh, in Orange County, in, uh, in Rockland County. So all these policies that Mondaire Jones uh, is adopting are already yours. Well, that, that's, the, that's the, the irony of the whole thing. And certainly, uh, you know, when it comes to law enforcement, nobody has been a stronger supporter of law enforcement and our first responders than I have. Uh, I, I have dedicated my career uh, to, to advocating for law enforcement, to advocating uh, for our first responders. I helped pass the 10% property tax exemption for our volunteer fire and EMS uh, and, you know, that obviously, uh, you know, we we need to support and continue to support the men and women uh, who keep our community safe every day. You see what continues to go on in New York City. There's a mass exodus of law enforcement because of the policies that have been enacted and supported by Mondaire Jones. So, you know, he can try to rewrite history all he wants. Uh, but I feel confident in a district where 50 percent of households have a veteran, a firefighter or a cop living in it, uh, that we're going to do very well come next year. Uh, and, you know, we're going to be reelected because people want common sense. They want reasonableness. They don't want radical extremism. And that's what they get with Mondaire Jones. And so if people want to support me, they should go to LawlerForCongress.com or text Mondaire to 85007. Uh, to help us defeat him or Gretchen Whitmer's sister, Liz, next year, uh, whoever comes out of that primary. I see a blowout here. I really do. Lawler 4, the number 4, or F-O-R? F-O-R. Lawler for Congress. All the stuff that you just mentioned that you you believe in, which is all great, and every great American does believe in that, that uh, really comes in second. The reason why you're going to win is because on a Saturday afternoon – Sometime last fall, you showed up at Joe and Joe Restaurant in Pearl River for my book signing, showing you're a man of your word. So right off the bat, you're a man of your word. You gotta win just for going, just for that. No, (laughs) 
<laughs> that was a big deal that day, Lawler. Come on. I do want to ask you about a few other things uh, outside your yeah. race. These cluster bombs that Joe yeah. Biden wants to send to the Ukraine, I know there seems to be a pretty good struggle between Republican lawmakers and Democrat lawmakers. Uh, supposedly, these are very, very intense bombs. They do a lot of damage. And, of course, the, the folks that are for the Ukraine, well, well, we need, they need them. They're getting their asses kicked. Where's your stance on cluster bombs to the Ukraine? Look, obviously, uh, they have the potential to cause uh, great damage. Uh, there's a, a 3% dud rate among uh, cluster munitions uh, that we have manufactured. Uh, the Russian dud rate is about 25%, and they've been using these cluster munitions uh, throughout this war. Uh, the difference here, what I would say is uh, Ukraine is using them to defend their sovereignty. Uh, they are not going into Russia using them. They're not going to attack other other countries. They're using them to defend their sovereignty against uh, an illegal invasion uh, perpetrated by Vladimir Putin. With Vladimir Putin and the Wagner Group being on the outs uh, and there being an opportunity to wage a strong counteroffensive, they need the ammunition. One of our biggest problems, uh, you know, separate and apart from uh, the war in Ukraine, is that our uh, defense industry has not been producing uh, ammunition and uh, military weapons at the rate that they need to be producing them. Uh, you know, you look at our allies and those that are purchasing uh, military equipment from us, they're not getting them fast enough. And so this has been a real challenge uh, in Ukraine. It's been a challenge in other parts of the, the world where we're not getting the equipment to them fast enough. So this is something where, you know, I, it's not ideal, uh, but I do think necessary uh, to try and expedite the counteroffensive and bring this to a, to an end. Uh, obviously, we do not want to see this continue. We do not want to see this spill out uh, outside the borders of Ukraine. Uh, but Vladimir Putin is a vile, evil thug and dictator, uh, and he needs to be stopped. And so, you know, I, I think while it's a tough decision, and I know there's uh, opposition to it, um, I, I, I do think it was necessary in the immediate. One more. I know you've got your own race that we just talked about for a good six minutes that you're concentrating on. Again, this is uh, Congressman Mike Lawler, one of my favorite folks in politics today. is going up against Mondaire Jones and uh, Liz Whitmer come this uh, this fall. Are you uh, heavily, uh, I guess, uh, into this Trump-DeSantis battle, this whole Republican race for the presidency right now? Donald Trump, it's not a game. He's killing everybody. He's killing them. I mean, uh, there are folks, Chris Christie, he's got 2%, Tim Scott, 4%. You know, uh, the other one, uh, Haley, 3%. And DeSantis is a good 30 points behind. Are you into this this big Republican race? Look, ever since I was a, a young uh, kid in high school, uh, you know, I got to vote in the 2004 election. Uh, I've, I've always been uh, interested in presidential politics and uh, love watching the debates. I'm looking forward to uh, to the debates when they come up starting in August. Oh, Trump's not going to debate, though. Uh, I, look, I, I think in the end he will. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, that's, that's too big of a stage to pass up. But I think... You, you need to have uh, in any primary a robust debate about the future, not just of, of uh, the party, but the country and what it is that we're going to do to address the challenges facing the American people. 
And the challenges under under this administration are grave. Uh, the Biden administration has created an economic mess. They've created what? a mess. What are you talking about? You clearly didn't watch Meet the Press yesterday because <laughs> I've, I've been told that Bidenomics is doing great. <laughs> yeah, Bi- Bidenomics is a, a, a great strategy. You know, spend spend us into oblivion, create a staggering thirty two trillion dollar national debt. Right. Uh, you right. know, and 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 and, and, so and, that, and, that and, and also and keep raising interest rates well, while crippling everything else. Right. And, and inflation and interest rates at, at record highs, and uh, yeah, bang up job, Joe. I mean, it, it's just embarrassing. It really, it really is. is. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, I'm going to have all my folks go to Lawler. It's Lawler for New York or Lawler for Congress. What was that again? Lawler for Congress dot com. F O R Congress dot com. Or you could text Mondaire to 85007. And by the way, on your lead-in, you were saying between Billy Joel and Elton John, I've seen both of them uh, six, seven times each. And uh, you can't really choose. They're they're both phenomenal. That's, see, I can't do it either. I'm glad you said that. I, I, I was nervous you were about to make a make a statement. Elton John, <laughs> I mean, too tough for me, too. But what's not tough is who I'm picking in your race and that's you, Mike Lawler. Continued success up there. I know you're going to win this, win this relatively easily. But come back whenever you want, and we'll talk again very, very soon. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Sid. My Take man, care. Mike Lawler, congressman up there in Rockland County. Elton John, Billy Joel, or Greg Kinn? He's <laughs> a good band, though. Greg Kinn did a good job. It's his birthday today. He's 73. Our love's in jeopardy. Take it away, Greg. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. They should be scared to death of all the mama bears out there because the moms and dads are so fed up. And there's a there's a mom and dad revolution happening, and we're not backing down, and nothing they say will scare me. I mean, they're so full of it. It's it's literally a hundred percent lies what they put out. It was a week ago they were saying I was living there at Mar-a-Lago, and now they're saying that uh, we don't have a, a friendly relationship. It's just completely it's utter lies. And they're trying to make it look like there's trouble in the America First movement. There is it. I have a great relationship with President Trump. I respect the heck out of him and his entire family. I've gotten to know many of his um, children and his family, and they're incredible. They have sacrificed so much for this country. And these uh, these outlets are so disgusting. They're trying to tear this country down, spreading rumors and, and falsities, and I just hope that people don't buy it. We are going to push forward. I am going to do everything I can to get President Trump elected. He is the man for the moment in history. We need him to protect us from this communist, uh, Marxist, and globalist push to take over America. I just spent time with him last week. Um, he invited us to do our book launch at uh, Trump National Bedminster, which is absolutely beautiful in New Jersey. And he showed up and gave a short speech at my event. I'm honored to call him friend. And he wrote a beautiful foreword in my book that you can just, when you're reading it, you can just hear his voice in the foreword. And so, you know, my, my advice to the people of this great country is you just 
turn all that garbage off, turn all that noise off. We've got to focus on winning this election, taking back our country, putting America first, stopping the endless wars overseas, securing our border, and reforming our elections so that we can save our country. It's a little bit funny, this feeling inside. I'm not one of those who can easily hide. I don't have much money, but boy, if I did, I'd buy a big house where we both could live. If I was a sculptor, but then again, no, or a man who makes potions in a traveling show, I know it's not much, but it's the best I can do. My gift is my song, and this one's for you. Tell everybody This is your song It may be quite simple But now that it's done I hope you don't mind I hope you don't mind That I put down the words How wonderful life is While you're in Elton John calling it quits, his last concert over the weekend. This, of course, your song by Elton John. The voice before that was Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake ran for governor in the state of Arizona, got jobs. She really won. They took it from her. She was in uh, these studios about two weeks ago promoting her new book, and she sent me that audio in a tweet at 2 o'clock this morning. I swear to God. Of course, it's midnight in Arizona, or 11 uh, p.m., I forget. And I bring up Carrie Lake because there's been a lot of talk about Carrie as a very real possibility to be the running mate VP for Trump. And then that story broke last week in the Daily Beast that Trump can't stand her. <laughs> she's too much. She uh, she wants all the attention, and Trump can't stand her. But she's very, very clear there that that story is made up. It's a bunch of lies, and she's had people inside the Trump campaign uh, rally behind her. Well, the lady that I also keep bringing up for a legitimate running mate for Trump, and she may not like this right now, but it is what it is. It's my show, is South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace. I think Nancy Mace is great, smart, doesn't always agree with Donald Trump, but certainly respects him and is doing great work for this country in that great state. So here she is making a return to my program, my friend Nancy Mace in Charleston, I believe. Good morning, Nancy. Yes, sir. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm great. Are you in Charleston today? I am. I am. I, I got in about 1 a.m. and I got up just for you. Oh, <laughs> thank did, you. Thank to you. To start my day. Thank you very much. Office. Thank you. So mm-hmm. uh, you heard Carrie Lake there, and a lot of folks bring up her name. They bring up your name. And I know mm-hmm. we're not there yet, but look, it looks as though it's going to take a miracle, not for somebody else to win, but for Trump to lose. And once he wins that primary officially, then he's going to have to name a running mate. And I know Fox has asked you this. I've asked you this. Carrie is in the mix. So if it came down to, 
So I know it's his picture right now. <laughs> this is, <laughs> if it came do down to early in the morning. Okay. Uh-huh. 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 Carrie Lake versus Nancy Mace. Why would, what would you say to Donald Trump to pick you? Oh, well, I, you know, I don't think anyone who wants to be vice president really can say to the nominee what they should do, because at that point, the nominee, and I do believe it will be Donald Trump at this point because of where the uh, where the race is going, where 2024 is headed. And we're less than six months away from the first vote. But he's his own person and he's going to make that decision on his own. But my message to anyone, to the nominee and to the country and to every Republican out there is that we really need to think about how do we get outside of our echo chamber and pick someone who can really reach out to and communicate and connect with women in suburbs because we lost them last time. We will lose them again if we don't think about how we get outside of our own box, outside of our own echo chamber, and talk to and communicate with people who have not always traditionally been with us. And those are suburban women. And that is the most one of the most important communities that we have to win over when hearts and minds. And I will tell you, the, the, the party line right now on abortion is a huge impediment yep. to that. And yep. I do believe we need a woman on the ticket who can articulate a compassionate message about women and about being pro-life and about abortion, but to bring those women back because there are things that are happening in this country. And I know this as a mom and inflation is going to be the number one issue. And so is abortion. I went to a grocery store a week ago and I spent just over $300 of groceries for the week. Didn't even make it through Friday. I looked at the, when I got home, I was like, what did I just get for that $300? It's very painful right now for women who are working. You go to the grocery store, you come home to provide for their kids. And you see how expensive everything is. And you can point to the massive spending that's been going on for the last few years. And we've got to cut that out. So that's like number one is how do we connect with people that are not traditionally with us? And a lot of times that's women. Let's talk about abortion for a second. I actually, I'm actually a better choice than you. I'm pro-choice, <laughs> believe it or not. Mm-hmm. I'm a Republican, but I'm pro-choice. I'm actually mm-hmm. very liberal when it comes to social stuff, gay marriage. Pro, I'm all, I'm all for it. I don't care what you do with your personal life. Yeah. God bless you. you Women like have, freedom, said you love right. freedom. I love right? freedom. Yeah. That's right. That's right. But I want mm-hmm. a government that that makes sure I'm going to make uh, take home most of my money, and we're going to kick ass if somebody f's with us. That's all I want. Um, so for mm-hmm. you, you are pro-life. Donald Trump is actually pretty good when it comes to this because. He does say he'll make exceptions Mm -hmm. for rape or incest, those types of things. Where are you exactly with abortion? Um, I I am for rape and incest exceptions, but I'm also, you know, I talk a lot about what we can do for women. Right now, Sid, we have over 100,000 rape kits sitting on shelves that have never been processed for women who've been through horrific trauma. We have women in rural counties in South Carolina and across the country where there's not a single OBGYN doctor. So how are they supposed to get birth control? Because number one on that issue, as Republicans who are pro-life or pro-choice, we have to show that we care about women, women that are put in very difficult positions and having to make very difficult decisions. Because at the end of the day, whether you're Republican or Democrat, pro-life or pro-choice, we agree on most things. And that is we don't want we don't want abortions to happen. I don't think anybody wants it to happen. But the party line has been, we're just going to turn a cold shoulder on women who are going through this. And we need to show maybe we can get them counseling after they've had an abortion. Maybe we can get them, uh, show them their resources, financial, medical, otherwise, 
parents. They can put their babies up for adoption. What do we do with the children who've been born that are unwanted? And working on our foster care system, for example, or child care. The cost of child care these days is through the roof, largely due to government intervention, government stepping in and over-regulating industries uh, to drive those costs up whenever government steps in. They tend to screw it up <laughs> and everything goes up and the prices go up and costs everything costs more. And so, you know, as someone who's pro-life, I, I actually agree with Donald Trump um, on those exceptions and agree with until we can get both sides in a room, which is something he has said, um, there won't be anything done at the national level. Everything else is just sort of, you know, um, I think placating to your base, whether you're pro-choice or pro-life. But when you talk about gestational limits, I had a I had a constituent write in a couple months ago, and she left the Republican Party over this issue, and considers herself an independent voter today. She's pro-choice, and her gestational limits are 14 weeks. I consider myself pro-life. My gestational limits are 15 to 20 weeks, with exceptions. And so, when you think about that, we just have to step back. I think most people are pro-life because they don't want this thing to happen. So, what yeah. can we do to prevent it from happening in a sensible compassionate way. And if it does happen, how can we help that woman get over that decision she's made so that she doesn't have to make that decision again in the future? I mean, this common sense. This is a very impressive lady, Nancy Mace, my friend, becoming a good friend, mind you, Congresswoman of the state yeah. of South Carolina. Yes. See that? Yes. With no hesitation. Yes. I heard that, Justin. Uh, one more story, about three minutes here. GOP lawmakers mm-hmm. are starting, uh, well, they're questioning some of the pitfalls in this Biden probe. I know you're not. What exactly are the pitfalls? Well, making sure that we get the evidence, making sure that if tapes exist, we we have them and can share them with the public, getting everything because, you know, in that, for example, in that FBI document I first got access to, the Ukrainians were bragging about how it would take us, the United States government, 10 years to follow the money and figure out where the money came from and where it ultimately ended up. We don't have 10 years. We have 10 months, maybe less, to really get that investigation done. It costs money. We have to go to foreign countries, engage foreign companies to get bank records from foreign banks. And and so this process really takes time because we have to show the media because they're not going to do the job. We have to show the media and the American people the evidence. And it has to be overwhelming. And if we don't do that, then no one's going to believe the evidence we've shown so far. And that is that is that is one of the greatest pitfalls in any investigation. And then, you know, if you we end up based on the evidence in the investigation, referring charges to the DOJ, well, it's Biden's DOJ. What are they going to actually do with it uh, going forward? And so probably nothing like with Hunter Biden. I mean, they just walk away and get away with anything in this country because their last name is Biden. And so those are those are real pitfalls in this any investigation, really. But as far as you're concerned, Nancy Mace, you are 100 percent sure And if I'm putting words in your mouth, please correct me. You're 100% sure that the Biden family is a criminal family, and it doesn't end with Hunter, that his father, the president, absolutely received monies in these deals from foreign countries. Based on what we've seen so far, yes. There there has been money that has been trickling through that family, and it's not just 10 million, 15 million. I believe when we're done with the investigation, if we can get there, you will see – you will see money laundering and racketeering and all those things in bribery to the tune of over $50 million. I mean, that is where we're headed right now. It is a huge, huge sums of money. I mean, massive sums of money to multiple Biden family members. I would imagine some of them uh, are just collateral damage, right? And and not intended to be that way, but it is disgusting. Mm. It's obscene. It's un-American. 
And if it's not illegal, it absolutely should be. And I want the American people to see what we have seen. They have to see the evidence to believe it. You gotta, you gotta see it to yeah. believe it. Yeah. And what uh, Biden, he'll do anything to protect Hunter because uh, I mean, he loves him. He's his son. I get that. But Hunter's got so much on his old man there that what he's done to this grandchild, it's not the grandchild's fault mm-hmm. that Hunter had a fling with some uh, stripper, whatever the hell it is. I mean, what he's done to this grandchild is, is disgusting. No. Yeah, especially when you look at, you know, I'm a mom, like we need to be compassionate to all children, no matter where or how they're made. And, you know, it's just it's amazing to see you know, this thing go on. And if you look, he even invited Joe Biden, invited Hunter Biden to a state dinner with Merrick Garland there. <laughs> I, I mean, you can't as they're inviting him. I mean, like, you cannot make this up. It's oh, wild. God, it is crazy. Hey, listen, you're great every time. Better than the last time, to be honest. So uh-huh. th- thank you for coming on today. Enjoy thank that heat did. in Charleston. Oh, it's so hot. But come down here. We're great. Great food and great beaches. We're ready to go. Thank you, Nancy. There she is, folks, the uh, lovely Congresswoman out of the state of South Carolina. I'm a huge fan of hers, Nancy Mace. You know, tonight is the home run hitting contest. Is that right, Justin? Yeah. But nobody locally. Pete Alonso has been in it most years. He's not in it. So. No, he is. He is in it. Oh, he is back yeah, tonight. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's like won that, it twice, that, that's right? That's like his thing. He, he, like, lives for the home run derby. He was just injured, too. Did he win it again last year? No, I don't believe. No, it was the kid from Seattle. I think no? it wasn't the kid okay. from Seattle. Nobody watches Julio that Rodriguez? nonsense. It wasn't? I don't even watch the All-Star yeah, game nobody anymore. Does. I don't care about the home run derby. I don't care about the All-Star game either. No, why it was would a big deal when I was a kid to see, like, Dwight Gooden pitch against Fred Lynn. Well, or to see Tom Seaver pitch yeah. against a Yankee. But interleague play has destroyed the All Star game. Well, it used to mean it used to mean something. You, whoever won the All Star game would get home field advantage. Well, that, no, that Series. was stupid. That was stupid. Okay, you don't the Fox. That was a. I'm just Fox, saying it used no, to no, mean. I'm not. I'm not talking about okay, that. That was fine. a stupid money deal. What I'm talking about is when I was a kid. God, sometimes you're so stupid. Uh, there was there was no interleague play. So unless you watch the Mayor's Trophy game, you never saw a Met pitcher pitch against a Yankee batter. Mm-hmm. Unless the All Star game, so the so novelty was, uh, is gone. Th- that novelty is gone. Right. Uh, that's your. Point that's is. the big deal. What, what do you mean All Star game? Everybody plays against each other. Plus, it's boring. And it's boring. <laughs> and the fact that Fox did that it all those boring. years and actually always. meant the, the the Game Seven of World Series was really ridiculous. Anyway, let's go to um, Arthur Turovitz, Mister NJ Diet, NJDiet.com, eight five 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 NJ Diet. Contractually lose twenty to forty plus pounds. In 40 days, big Phillies fan, big baseball fan. What do you think of the first half, Arthur? Hello, good morning. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Before we talk about the All-Star game, I think we have to talk about the big news last week out of the Hamptons, uh, which I'm sure you were there because you get invited to all the A-list stuff. But Michael Rubens, who has a star-studded white party in the Hamptons every year, uh, big rumors out of there that uh, Tom Brady is now canoodling with uh, Kim Kardashian. Yeah, that's an old story. That. You know, that's, it didn't start. I had the same conversation. It didn't start with Michael Rubin. Folks that have been following this should know that Tom Brady has a house in the Bahamas. And about six Jeez. weeks ago, well before Michael Rubin's party in the Hamptons, about six weeks ago, guess who ended up on the same block as Tom Brady in the Bahamas? Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian? Yes. And oh, my God. So page six. You're on top of this. Of course I am. This is my thing, man. Come on, Brady. So like six weeks ago, page six is like, uh-oh, Brady and Kardashian in the Bahamas. Now, the Rubin story, that's part two. Now you got the Bahamas and the Hamptons. So now it's pretty safe to assume that Brady and There's Kardashian are an on. item. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
fantastic. And you're all for it. Stephen A. Smith from ESPN is for it. Dave Portnoy is against it. You, Sid, are for for this. You're happy Tom is doing this. Yeah, of course. I mean, Kim's gorgeous. <laughs> you know, why not? There you go. Tom's a single guy. You know, his wife is uh, going around the world dating other guys. Good for Tom. Beautiful. So, yeah, some good stuff coming out first half of the season. Uh, I think the big story is uh, is Otani, right? Uh, pitching, not only is he uh, leading the league in uh, home runs and RBIs and slugging percentage, also triples, but also uh, pitching great, six starts with uh, 10 strikeouts. Probably the bit, that's probably the running, probably running away with the, uh, with the MVP and the AL, right? Nobody else is doing No, nah, yeah, no one even close. I agree. Yeah, he's got that wrapped up practically at this point. I agree. Anybody catching, anybody catching the Braves or are they running away with the thing in the NL East? Yeah, yeah, I don't think anybody will catch them. You know, I just don't see it. They're, they're much better to begin with. You thought, you thought the Mets would be there. Maybe the Phillies based off their success last year, but, they have been the best team, the Braves, for really the last With three, Acuna. four years. Yeah, they're the better team. They're the better team. And Acuna looking like he's going to be the MVP probably yes. Uh, in, yes. the, in, a, in a national league. I agree. And uh, I don't know. What do you, I don't care. Do you care about the All-Star game? I don't think anybody cares. I, I don't care. No, like anymore. I just said, I, when I was a kid, it was a big deal to see a Met pitcher pitch against a Yankee batter. But for me, interleague play ruined it because now the Mets play the Yankees, the Mets play the Red Sox, the Phillies play the yeah. Tigers. So all that is gone, you know. It was all that is gone when Dwight Gooden struck out, uh, you know, Le- uh, uh, Whitaker and Alan Trammell, the old-time Tigers. I was like, wow, that's a big deal, you know. When when Seaver struck out somebody in the American League, that was a big deal. But those days are gone, so I don't care anymore. And re- and and when uh, Randy Johnson was pitching to John Crawford, right. he was, uh, and that that whole thing. Yeah, you cared about it. So I'm going to go with my original plan. I'm going to tape Wimbledon, come home, and watch that. There you go. I don't blame you. I love Wimbledon, too. I don't blame you for that. And I'm a, I know you're a big tennis fan, Arthur. So am I. And what a, what a great time of year. I know that, uh, of course, August, we've got the U.S. Open here in Queens. And uh, i got to say, of all the great sporting events all year in New York, I think you'd agree that may be the best one. I love it. I look forward to it every single year, and I love going to the matches if I can get there. And I just love watching it. And it's amazing. Uh, Wimbledon, yeah, Novak's going for number 20. Uh, what is he going for? Number 24? 24. And yeah. Still, and, yeah. And he looks, and he looks like nobody's even, nobody's going to sniff it. He's doing, looking great. And, uh, I don't think he's even lost, I don't think he's lost the set. I don't think anyone's nope. broken at Serbia. Yeah, <laughs> no. Really amazing. It is. And, really uh, amazing. it is. Uh, excellent job, Arthur. Thank you so much. We get Arthur on here every Thank Monday. You. All right, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you later on yeah. in the week. Yes. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Take care. Arthur Turovitz, NJ Diet. Check him out, njdiet.com, 855-5NJ-DIET. And uh, he should be doing a show on the fan one of these days. He knows his sports. We'll take a short break. Come back. Still lots more to do. The number, 1-800-848-WABC. And today, I'm considering for the second straight sitting friends in the morning show, opening the phones at about 945, brought to you by Pete Morgan. Open phones, brought to you by Pete Morgan. Keep it right here. Your chance to talk to me may be coming up very soon. But these things I do, you see, I've forgotten if they're green or they're blue. Anyway, the thing is, what I really need, those are the sweetest guys I've ever seen. 
Friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Friends. I see. I've only been scared three times in my life. This was one of them. I've been married for almost 10 years. And a cop for almost 12. Captain. You got a minute? Go away. You ever hear of the Gemini Lounge? We got stacks of files on these guys. These are mobsters. I can go undercover. You have to disappear completely. And if I was going to do it at all, I would have to do it right. Get this guy whatever he wants, all right? Bourbon, please. Please? You sure you're in the right place? Having a good time with my guys? Great bunch of guys. Do you ever kill anybody? Everything is so clear when you look back at it. But in situations like this, you do what you have to do. I don't know what's going on in your head. I don't like the way you're acting. You just need to trust me, okay? Boy well, tells me good things about you. It's with the long face. That's nothing. I'll let you bend my ear for a bit. These guys are not stupid. Everything is under control. They get too close. Just let it go. Sweet dreams, Bobby. Gemini Lounge, but when it hits the theaters, the name of the movie is now Inside Man, a movie that I shot out in Los Angeles in April of 2021, my first ever movie, my only movie, with the great Danny A and Lucy Hale, and oh, it's a great cast, Emil Hirsch and Robert Davi and Bo Deedle and a host of others, about the Roy DeMeo true story, Gambino crime family bar in Flatlands, it was called the Gemini Lounge, late 1970s. So we've got a release date, August 11th, theaters all across the country. 
Curtis Lee was seeing it. He was at the at the uh, little screening we had many months ago. He loved it. And it turns out that there's a red carpet premiere party, but it's in Los Angeles, which I'll be going to. And that is the night before the release, Thursday night, August the 10th in L.A. So I'm going to take off Thursday and Friday, August 10th and 11th, summertime. I got time off. And head to L.A. and go to the red carpet premiere for a movie that I'm in, August 10th. And then it hits theaters all over the world, really, Friday, August 11th. So I've got Gravesend and Inside Man all going on right now in uh, what is uh, the early, 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 early stages of my acting career. But a lot more stuff on the table, which is really exciting. But as I've said uh, time and time again, no matter where it goes, where it takes me, this uh, this is my baby right here. Sid Rosenberg show, Sid and Friends in the Morning, ain't never leaving. Nope, this is it. It's my favorite. It's the most intimate form of communication. And I don't see myself ever leaving radio, ever. Even if the money is better on the other side of the camera, I just don't see it. I love this. And I'm particularly good at it. So don't worry, Lou, I'm not leaving you. Okay? I know. I'm, I actually can believe you on this one. You that do, you, right? Seriously. Yeah, even if you say no. never, I get uh, I get concerned when people say never and always and no. stuff like that. But I actually be- I know you won't leave radio. No, I'm not leaving this. No. <clears throat> I mean, uh, my, my plan is to do both. And the good news is, is that most of these major cities across America, look, there's no guarantee I'll ever act again. It could be over. That's it. I know I'm doing Gravesend Season 3 in Miami and Brooklyn. I know that next year. But who knows? I know Armand DeSante said a bunch to me, Paul Borghese, chairs, and, well, you're, you're a bow. Who knows? May never do it again. Just Gravesend. That's it. But if something else arises, there are radio stations in every major city across the country. And I know just about every program director and every GM at every major radio company. So it's not a big deal for me to hijack a studio for four hours and do this show. Even if it is 3 o'clock in the morning in Los Angeles, it wouldn't matter. You wouldn't know the difference, trust me. i got plenty of energy. I'm ready to go. Oh, God, if there's somebody who can do it. <laughs> yeah, I can do it. Up. So um, that's the good news. All right, we're going to open the phones. This open phone segment is brought to you by Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Boilers. Check them out today at PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. I met Junior, in fact, last week from Peerless Boilers. Great guy. They do make the world's best boilers. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. You folks seem to like this. And if I have a guest, why not? This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Audio from uh, 
Good Day, Channel 5, William DeMeo, and uh, what's the gay kid again? I keep forgetting his name. Uh, Mario Cantone. Yes, Mario Cantone was just on with Rosanna Scotto. And by the way, William didn't bring me up. Mario didn't bring me up. She did. She's like, oh, my God, Sid Rosenberg is great in that show. So get that audio for tomorrow. <laughs> ah! uh, yeah, I love Rosanna. It's my girl, Rosanna Scotto, Channel 5. Every time, how many times in the last two months has she brought me up with the AM thing, with this? I mean, like, that'll be five. Write him down, Lou. Write him down. Rosanna Scotto. That's my girl. So I open up the phones here. You know, the TV is finally on in the studio. I see Eric Salas. So I know they tape all my interviews because we generate a lot of paid views or clicks, whatever it's called. I don't know, on Twitter. Or other stuff. I haven't seen myself on TV all day, but I look great. Great tan. I got the blue shirt. I got the muscle. I go, what's going on the TV? Well, it's all because Greg Kelly doesn't like the TV's on. Greg no. Kelly. Oh, no, he didn't I, say he, that. I swear to God. <laughs> as if Greg Kelly makes any decisions in this place. Again, it is 2.8 for two hours a day. Greg Kelly. Oh, that's all you needed to hear. Yeah, of all people, right? You could have said anybody. Right. <laughs> could have said, yeah. like, uh, Greg yeah. Kelly. <laughs> My God. No, no ratings, Greg. Here or at Newsmax. <laughs> do me a favor. Don't do anything Greg Kelly wants. Do it for him for two hours. You do what I want. I get the big I, – I triple Greg Kelly's ratings. Is he NRG? No ratings, Greg? <laughs> no ratings, Greg. Um, so I, I open the phones here for the listeners, and here's a guy named Todd Kushner. He's in a White Plains. Oh, Todd, good morning. How are you, pal? How are you, Sid? Now, why, you know, why, 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 you. Why, is your last, why is your last name on the screen? I don't know. I guess I, I guess because uh, I'm the related to somebody over. special at your right. station. That one, yes. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, you're related to somebody special at my station. That's All right. right. And who's that special person, Todd? Carly. Um, the intern, Carly Kushner. That's right, but I wanted to talk well, hold about on. the Gemini Lounge. Before you get to the Gemini Lounge, now, now that you mention your daughter, Carly Kushner, who was an intern here, very valuable, and goes to Thank Syracuse you. University, happens to be one of my uh-huh. favorite interns at the station. Todd, say hello to your daughter. What up, Dad? What's up? What's up? Be good. Work hard. I am, always. Don't let's sit down. <laughs> Never that. Never that. Never that. Never, Never that. that. So I wanted to talk about the Gemini Lounge because you brought that up. Okay, go ahead. 1976 to 1980, I went to Brooklyn College. You probably heard of it. I was there, too. And we used to go there on a regular basis, the Gemini Lounge. No clue what was going on, but that was probably the period of time where they were chopping up bodies. Yeah. And uh, and doing that thing in there, and we had no idea. Every now and then they say, "Sorry, the bar is closed." <laughs> right, because they were probably we doing weird. right. Exactly, they were doing their thing. But that's what was going on. That's funny. Those were scary days. Uh, those and were good the days. Funny part is, yeah, the two Gemini twins. I think it was Testa and Center. Yep. Center. We went to school with those guys, yep. and when we'd see them in the street, we'd go the other way. <laughs> yeah. It was scary back yeah. then in high school. Yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, well, say, good, guys. say goodbye to your father here, Rob Carly. Bye, Dad. See you at see home. Ya. Good talking see to you, you Todd. You too, Todd. Thank you, Todd Kushner. And um, he knows the place, and he's right. The bar was downstairs, and they owned an apartment on the second floor right above the bar. So they would whack a guy in the bar, kind of like what they did to Billy Bats and Goodfellas, they would take him upstairs to the apartment where Roy DeMeo and his crew would chop him up and, and many times eat their body parts, have what? dinner and eat them. What? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I didn't know that part. Oh, yeah. Really? Fry that stuff up, baby. Oh, yeah. That's, 
So Chris Rosenberg was one of the guys they whacked, played by Jake Cannavale, happens to be Bobby Cannavale's son. And uh, anyway, you'll go see the movie. I, I am one of the guys that bartends by day, so Todd Kushner would see me. And then at night, I'd go upstairs and do what we did, which was chop up the bodies and so you'd be the cook out. and then eat them. You're the cook sometimes. Grilling. Well, Roy really did the cooking. Roy, uh, Roy DeMeo. Oh, my God. But, um, yeah, <laughs> you got to see this movie coming out August 11th. It's called Inside Man. Cool. Let's go to Dave in New Jersey Sh- on line four. Good morning, yeah. Dave. Oh, Sid. Hey there. Hey, I was talking to you at the softball game. At <laughs> uh, Craig Carton's game. Yeah. Okay. It was cool. Well, thank you. It was nice but, to meet uh, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah, you very I was much. All, I was getting all the little kids' autographs from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. Yeah, that was a fun night. Thank you. That was a great cause, the Joseph Lem Foundation. Craig did a terrific job and has since moved on from WFAN and is now solely working for Fox Sports 1 Television, has his own morning show, The Craig Carton Show. It's terrific. Here's my friend Chris McGlynn in Bethpage, Long Island. Chris, what's going on, pal? Hey, Sid. <clears throat> Quickly, uh, first of all, so you know, I'm, I've retired that earbud that I stuck in the ear that time. <laughs> yeah, okay. I plan on selling it for big dollars. So just keep keep up the fame uh, uh, okay. that you have, and I'm going to sell that thing for millions one day. Trust me. I love it. Anyhow, love it. it still has your earwax in it. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> Sid, the reason I called is I love this Nancy Mace. Love her. She is tremendous. And let me tell you something. You have to promise me this. This abortion issue, you hit upon it. You have to, from now till election next year, whoever you have on, whatever Republican you have on, you have to convince them that it's a losing issue yep. pro-life. It just is. You have to go. Like she said, she's reasonable. She said, let's talk 14 weeks to, to 18 weeks. There has to be a discussion this because, trust me, that's the only reason the Democrats were able to keep the Senate and uh, – or take over the Senate and almost win the House. Back. No, the, well, the they, did, they, did, they did keep it, and they almost won the House, too. And, and you're right, Chris. It's always good to talk to you. It was all about abortion. That's where the Republicans had uh, no message. You know, Mike Pence's message is a losing message. God bless him. He reads the Bible, loves Jesus. Fantastic. I, I, that's great. But they ain't going to win your elections. Not in 2023. So he's, uh, he's actually dangerous. Guys like him for the Republican Party. Judith in Brooklyn, I love her. I don't have time for Judith or Kurt on Staten Island. I'll reopen the phones again tomorrow, and I'll make sure that both of you get in first. We've got to take a short break and wrap things up. The Monday edition of Sid and Friends in the morning. Friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Hello, baby, hello. Haven't seen your face for a while. Have you quit doing time for me? Or 
Wrapping things up. What a job by Lou Rufino today. Lewis, just unbelievable. Great guests uh, today. They all did a tremendous job. Janaya Butler, Curtis Sleva, John Katsimatidis, Frank Morano, Dr. Mark Siegel, Noam Layden, Mike Lawler, and Nancy Mace. All part of this Monday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning. Got a huge show coming up tomorrow. I know Bo Deedle's going to be here. He's always great. Curtis will be here. Joe Beningo, WFAN fans, he'll be here tomorrow. And uh, a host of others, too. You know what we do. We do it every day. So that's going to wrap it up. Again, great job by my staff, Lou Rafino, tremendous. Justin Ellick, great job. Noel Layden, you're beautiful. The Elton John stuff was great, Noel. Thank you. We're going to get out of here and do it again. Hands off to Brian Kilmeade at 6 a.m. tomorrow. So until then, from all of us, including Elton John, to all of you, happy Monday, New York City. Peace.